Hey folks, Randy Newberg here. We're doing another episode of Hunt Talk Radio. And this time I'm sitting around with three guys that I often spend way too much time with. <laughs> uh, and they show me up. They teach me how bad I am at a lot of things. Uh, we just did a nine-day episode on our YouTube channel with this guy to my right. And I call, he didn't get there till the second day. And I was calling the first day. <laughs> People are commenting on YouTube like, Randy, you shouldn't have brought Corey on. It shows how bad you really are. <laughs> it's a great compare and contrast. It is. Well, yeah, we got to have we got to have some place to set the low bar, right. So you can measure where the high bar. You is. know that so. just goes to show because when we hunted Montana a couple of years ago, yeah. you called in all the elk that we called in. So <laughs> I no, did he didn't. Not. No, he didn't. I did he not. shot the grouse, which spooked the elk. <laughs> that, something to that effect. It, That's what I heard. Better, anyway. So anyhow, folks, we are at the Total Archery Challenge in Big Sky, Montana today. And as we always say, we are here to solve all your problems. And if we haven't solved them, I would call David Brinker at Sitka Gear because he's the one in charge of solving problems. It goes straight to my voicemail, and I promise <laughs> that will And he never... <laughs> I was just saying, he never texts or calls back. So. Have you ever left a message on his oh, voicemail when he called you back? Oh, I've, I've, I don't even leave messages for him anymore. <laughs> no. I just keep calling until I get him. So, yeah, that's the best way to do it. We're, we're going to talk about some stuff. Sitka did this really cool film with Isaac Jacobson, Corey's son... I think Corey's in it a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. He, you won't even rec you won't notice we me tried because to, Isaac yeah. stole the show. Right. We tried to keep him off camera as much as possible. <laughs> and, and it's called The Linguist, right? Yeah. And yep. before we get into it, let me just take care of the business up front. All right. Take care so of the business. This, this, is, this podcast is Leupold's Hunt Talk Radio. The great folks at Leupold make this possible. They are huge supporters of the public land, uh, self-guided hunter like we are. And uh, if you're buying optics, I hope that you think of them when you do it. Uh, Onyx Maps has a booth just over here behind us. Uh, if you want... Oh, we're... Have you seen, have any of you guys seen the new release that's coming out? You, you've been, you've been uh, so, leaking it no, for the last right. two months on so, your podcast. <laughs> so Sunday morning, two mornings from now, we're, we're all getting together and we're making sure that every little deal is ready to go. And then I think next week it's going to go live. So, but on X Maps, if you want a 20% discount on their app products, use promo code Randy, R-A-N-D-Y. Pretty easy to spell I was going to say, that. even I can remember yeah. and spell that. Yeah. So. Well, some people put an I on the end. I would have put an I. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Yeah. And uh, so use promo code Randy on xmaps.com. You're going to get 20% off. And then when it's hot like this and you have a whole bunch of dilly bars like I have, right you have a here. red one? I want a, on. I'd like Hold a red one, please. I didn't, I didn't bring red ones. What? Corey, I need, Corey, I need specific, Corey I said specifically no said mint chocolate dilly bar. Who likes a mint chocolate dilly bar? My wife. I, I knew I'd have to give her I one. I offered her one of them down on the steps. And she didn't take one? She didn't take one. She, she said, didn't know who you were. She said she doesn't eat that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. She said, at our, at our house, we don't eat that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac, is that true? You don't do Dairy Queen at your house? That's a lie, isn't it? All health yeah. food? Don't ask him about Dairy Queen because last okay. night the kids lost out on, on dinner. So okay. it's right. kind of a sore spot because we <laughs> went to Dairy Queen and ate a blizzard in front of them. And, in front of your kids? Oh, yeah. How could you possibly they were fighting, do that? And we said, all right, guys, no dinner. Randy, how would you deal with that if someone did that to you? I, I would I'd volunteer <laughs> for adoption. <laughs> oh, they were. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm, I want to be in a foster home if that's what my parents did to me. 
But uh, <laughs> we did sneak double bacon cheeseburgers in for them. So oh, wow. they didn't actually get uh, it. That works a little we bit. Tried but anyhow, lesson. back to Orion coolers. If you use promo code Randy, you're going to get this really cool tumbler if you go to orioncoolers.com. But I have this Orion cooler right here because Corey Jacobson asked specifically for dilly bars. Mint chocolate dilly Mint bars. Mint chocolate dilly bars. I went there this morning to the Bozeman Dairy Queen and the lady, I'm the only guy I bet you in they Bozeman. They sell dilly bars in the morning? They do, <laughs> to, to me. So I, I'm peeking in the window and she's like, oh, Randy's here. Well, look, she, he's she, wearing a Dairy Queen hat. <laughs> she, she opens up the store early and she's like, what do you need, Randy? I'm like, well, I need four boxes of mint chocolate chip, dil- mint chocolate dilly bars. She's like, you want me to put that on your tab? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I bet you I'm the only guy here who has a tab at, at tab Dairy, Dairy Queen. Queen. So That's pretty incredible. Anyhow, we I, know, I know where I'm going to go for lunch now and charge it and what I'm going to charge it to. I know. Everyone's going to go there and try to yeah. imitate me. but Use the promo code Randy at the Bozeman Dairy Queen. <laughs> <laughs> and get thrown out. Anyhow, OrionCoolers.com. Use promo code Randy. You'll get a really cool tumbler. And, uh, Last, certainly not least, is on a, or, uh, GoHunt.com. Uh, they've got a thing going on right now that if you use promo code Randy, R-A-N-D-Y. I'm seeing a pattern a, here. Yeah, Randy. It's, it's pretty easy, isn't it? You can't mess that up. Uh, well, I probably could. But uh, <laughs> anyhow, so use promo code Randy. And if you sign up for their insider service that has, they just added the whole new st- uh, public versus private land. You can sort by how much is public, how much is private in each unit. They got all kinds of cool stuff right now that's applicable for over-the-counter units. But if you use promo code Randy, they're going to give you a $50 credit in their new gear shop. So there we go. Sweet. Now, if the wind starts blowing it, I spend all that time... Talking. It just adds realness to it. Okay, so audience, we are on a mountain. So if the wind starts blowing and you hear a little static on the end, uh, I think people will appreciate it. They'll they'll accept that. I think so. All right. So before we get in, now people, David, you've been on the podcast before. Corey, you've been on the podcast before, but Ben has not. He hasn't figured it out yet because he's sitting ben, over here quietly. Yeah, yeah. Ben I'm studying. Ben Potter, <laughs> how this works from Canna Outdoors. You just can't say anything stupid, Ben. <laughs> okay, too late. <laughs> so I'm going to let Ben explain how he's involved in the linguist oh, film because these guys will make up some line of BS. So you, you are <laughs> like the Steven Spielberg, George, George Lucas part of this film, right, Ben? Well, that's quite a comparison. I don't think I can live up to that. But uh, <laughs> Oh, you, you're past. To an extent. I, I bet you any money that if we brought Steven Spielberg or George Lucas out to Unit 16E in New Mexico with 40 pounds of camera gear, they couldn't have followed us for nine days like you did. I don't think so, yeah. I think we would uh, be calling the evac. Yeah. <laughs> With all due respect to them. Yeah. But, uh, anyhow, yeah. you are a film producer. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I uh, got involved with creating films from a young age and started a business when I was in college and at a school called Cal Poly. And, and uh, uh, my love for the outdoors has been there since I was real young. And uh, my dad started getting me out uh, duck hunting at the age of three. I don't know if my mom knew that, but uh, <laughs> snuck me out. And, uh, and then, you know, it's kind of interesting. My dad grew up, or he, he was a bow hunter for a lot of years, and, and then it kind of hung it up around the time I was born. And, and then, uh, so the bow hunting and getting after, getting on the mountain, chasing, chasing big game, something that's kind of stirred up in me in the last several years. And, and uh, so then I was, I was given a, quite an opportunity to capture this film, this story, um, with Corey and all these other gentlemen, and and uh, yeah, so that's some of a little bit where I come from. The great yeah, thing about 
about Ben. Um, besides his modesty. Besides how modest he is. <laughs> uh, you know, we have a diverse portfolio of content producers, all, all different styles. Everybody's got a different eye and different way of doing things. Um, you know, uh, the reason we chose Ben for this project, among many reasons, but the thing that I loved about him is he's never been on an elk hunt before. No way. You... Till this yes, year, sir. baby, you hadn't been on an so, elk hunt. So uh, and we baptized him by <laughs> yeah. fire. I'll tell oh, you yeah. that. Yes, sir. And it was uh, it was really funny because when Sika first came to me, and David came to me and talked, hey, I got I got a doozy for you. This is gonna be quite a project. And I was I think it was in Arkansas chasing ducks, doing a different piece for them. And I'm like, yeah, you know, if, if you feel like we're a good fit, and in the back of my mind, I'm like, I have never gone elk hunting. And, and I was apprehensive to tell Corey that. Corey's going to be like, David, you need to fire this guy. Well, I, I knew within three get... minutes he'd never been elk hunting. Yeah. yeah, right, right. And uh, he, could, he could just smell it. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I, I told Corey, you know, when we started talking about getting to know him, like, just saying, this is not my world. And, but, you know, it was cool. Just he was... And I didn't tell David that because I wanted the job. Yeah. I wanted to tell the story. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to go as long as I can until he finds out, like, wait, what did we do? We hired we hire? And, uh, no, I, that, that, no, that's yeah. great because we uh, wanted a, th this, uh, this needed a fresh perspective. We didn't want, there's been a lot of elk hunting films done, done well, a lot of different content on elk. We wanted something different. And I gave him a pretty big task. Do you remember what we talked about? Yeah, yeah. He got on the phone and he's like, look, I want to capture elk footage that's never been captured before. I want to capture <laughs> stuff that will blow people's mind. You know, just setting these. <laughs> and as a filmmaker and an artist, you know, you're like, that's what you really need to hear. Yeah. You know, you kind of like, if someone just says, hey, we want to capture this hunt. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's fun. But you don't feel like you're being pushed to do something that might stick, that might stick beyond uh, just the next cool hunt film. We love those. Those are awesome to see. But you want to make a mark yeah. and uh, create something that might become a legacy piece, you know, that gets remembered. And so the, I guess when he started saying that that's what we're after, that got my creative juices and desires just like, I, I want that. I, I need that someone to push me into something that I'm not used to and, uh, and uh, to set a bar. I, you know, I'm constantly, that's what we're always trying to do, set yeah. Set a bar that just keeps on pushing the story, getting deeper into people's lives. And I um, mean, as hunters, it's, it's it's a deep heritage and and uh, culture that we we all share. And so, trying to just pick it apart and tell, give it c true creative justice is is our goal, you know. And so, when yeah. he set that bar as high as like I'm I'm into this, like cool, you know. So yeah, we what, whose idea was this linguist film, David? David, that's David. David. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, who wants to talk about what it is? Because the audience is saying, "Well, tell me what it is." I love to hear. I love to hear Corey describe it because he's yeah. he's the he's the rock star in it. Yeah. In no. It's, uh, this this definitely was was David's brainchild, and he came to me. What last April? I had to March, been about a year show season. It. I yeah. guess yeah, show season of, last year of sixteen. Of sixteen. Okay. Yeah, and said, "Hey, you know, we're thinking about doing this film, and we want to we want to send a camera guy with you in September. Is that cool?" And so I said, yeah, that's, that's cool. Let's, let's do that. And that's really, you know, his introduction of it to me was simply that. We just want to send a camera guy with you and, and document your hunt in September. I didn't really tell you the whole truth, did I? <laughs> no, you didn't. Not up front. <laughs> see, then, how, see how these guys operate? Oh, yeah. We just want to document your hunt. Tell they them hook it. you Be first. A little, yeah. little, little thing yeah. in September. Right. Yeah. yeah, hook you first and then, then you, mm -hmm. once they're reeling you in, it's too late. 
But yeah. we, uh, as it developed through the summer there, you know, I really started seeing the vision that he had for it. And I think even still, even into the production oh, piece yeah. of the film, the vision shifted. And I wouldn't say necessarily changed course, but it got w more well-defined. Yeah. yeah. And that was, yeah. And really, you know, he said, what we want to do is capture the history of elk calling. And, you know, so that got me excited because I grew up in the, in the heydays when the guys were really developing that. So I looked up to all of those pioneers and the legends that uh, really formed elk calling and elk hunting that we have today. And so to be able to be involved, you know, then he started talking about, we want to send you and do interviews with these people and be able to ask them questions and get their, their story. Yeah. And, you know, it became a lot more than just a camera guy following me for a week in September. It became several camera guys following me for about four months of my life. <laughs> and Corey doesn't like flying. We're going to be vulnerable here, Corey. Corey doesn't love flying. And I have a bad history when I booked Corey's plane tickets of sending him all over the place to save a few bucks. <laughs> Just because one time when I flew him from Boise to Sacramento, he had to go to L.A. first. No and big another deal. time he flew me from Boise to Bozeman and somehow I ended up in Portland and <laughs> Seattle and then Bozeman oh. and ended up renting a car to drive home because I said, I can actually drive home and be home before the flight gets me So there. I got a bad rap for booking his plane ticket. So he already doesn't trust me when I call him to ask him to do things. And especially if I asked him to go to Jackson, Mississippi to visit Will Primos. That so I always joke with him. I'm, all you got to do is you're going to stop over in London and then you can take a direct flight. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Via Mexico City. <laughs> yeah. Found this $100 flight. <laughs> so I, I've got the chance to see a sneak preview of this. And there's four of the, hey, Corey, you said the history of it. Four, yeah. four of what I would call the pioneers. There's Will Primos. You already mentioned him. There's Wayne Carlton. There is uh, Larry Jones. And then... Rocky, your dad, Corey, yeah. Rocky Jacobson. So kind of interesting for me. So I had no idea what this was going to look like. And, and Ben and Corey and I and Marcus, my other camera guy, we were down in New Mexico for nine days. And you guys were telling me what you're up to. And I'm scratching my head thinking, man. This How are you going to really turn that good, into a film? <laughs> yeah, this is a really good way I'm to... I'm glad you were because we were kind of at that point too. <laughs> <laughs> this seems like a really good way to ruin Corey's elk season. That's yeah. all I could figure. And I was already doing a good job of ruining that. But <laughs> then when I got to see it, I'm like, wow, how cool is it that at about the same time in four different geographic areas... Mississippi, Colorado, Oregon, Idaho, you got four crazy guys about elk hunting and calling and just, I think they all started somewhere else with their calling, didn't they? Um, mostly. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, they, all, they all came from different walks of life for sure. And it's, and, it's and interesting they, to see what they were doing. You know, you've got people who were back east, people who are loggers, you've got people who owned restaurants. I mean, just all of these different walks of lives. And they each played different roles in developing elk calls and elk calling. And I think it was so awesome to go through this story with them and be able to pull out their pieces, what they really contributed, you know, and, and not that they didn't contribute in other areas, but I think they're just, their critical role in the development of what we have in elk calls and elk calling, um, in education of elk and elk hunting and all of that, just to be able to highlight where they really shined and what they really contributed was was amazing for me to be able to pull that out of it and see that come to life. It's pretty interesting. We're so used to being around all this stuff all the time. It does, right. Like elk calling is just part of our life, right? But if you take a step back and 
I mean, what if someone came up with a way to call in humpback whales or something like that? You know, and maybe somebody already did that. If they did, I don't know. But the point is, and that's kind of where this all came about. And, you know, I've been friends with Corey now for um, several years. And it's amazing to me how good he is at what he does. It's, I've been hunting elk my whole life, and I am not that good at it calling compared to Corey. Um, I can call in elk, but... In, in thinking about them, like, wow, this is an amazing thing. People have learned how, how to effectively speak to a wild animal. Yeah. Like, that's pretty cool. And, when you, and then you're like, must have been pretty hard to figure that out. Right. Like, we're, I can walk into Sportsman's Warehouse and, and buy a Hoochie Mama or whatever, and I can walk out and I can get an answer with that thing. Yeah. But somebody had to go out and really be frustrated and, and, and spend years failing right. to figure that out. And that's kind of where this, all, this whole thing started. And pulling that story together with these guys that made our life so much easier so we can enjoy the whole month of September. We don't have to spend half of it trying to figure out how to blow through a whistle, yeah. you know? <laughs> Drinking straw. Right. Or, well, you know, like Wayne Carlton, as he was talking, he didn't even think about calling elk, you know, the first few times coming out. And then as he started thinking about it, some of the methods that he used to try to do it, you know, as he touches on in the film, it was just there's a history there that you don't think about because right. of what we have today. Right. I think a lot of things in hunting we take for granted that it's always been that way. Yeah. I mean, look at compound bows. Yeah. yeah. Look at whatever it might be, long range shooting stuff now of a clothing. Yeah. <laughs> right here. <laughs> clothing. High clothing performance for clothing. Yeah. 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 It's someone along the way decided, I want to do something about that. Somebody well, had we to. Aren't, we aren't that much removed from when there wasn't calling elk. You know, when you look back, yeah. we're talking 1980. Oh, it was not that long I, ago. I was alive then. <laughs> so was I. I was almost out of high school then, Corey. <laughs> well, I wasn't that old, but yeah. yeah. No, uh, it was, it was, it's pretty fascinating. Actually, we had to take so many things out of this film. Like yeah. the story is so right. much deeper than this, even the film can portray. It's 30 minutes long, but the first cut was an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. Right, Ben? And yeah. even that was you cutting out and just bringing up the best footage. It was moving quick. Yeah. And then, yeah, and I was like, I, I, I was... Early on, I mean, Corey constantly telling each other, like, how are we going to put this? How are we going to put this? Film and, and I was constantly texting him, okay, Corey, what do you think? How, how long? You know, I was like, 45 minimum, you know? And, <laughs> and you're like, all right, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Let's go. And then we just found that we just, to really do what we set out to do, to really put the best of the best and tell, tell the calling story, you know, focus hardcore on that. You know, we, we just got ruthless, you know, start cutting away yeah. every little thing. And, and I could, we could probably make six or eight hunting films out of the God footage that, that we have, you know, and, and it's all really exciting stuff, but. How many terabytes of footage did you get? My, um, at the moment, my uh, hard drive sits at 18.1 terabytes yeah. of footage. And so, I mean, it's the biggest project we've ever taken on. The, the most wow. we've ever shot. I mean, it's the biggest project Sick has ever taken on, yeah. probably for sure. Yeah, yeah, and it's just it's unbelievable. I mean, was it total of uh, f four hunts with you, and uh, two other hunts? You know, were captured that uh, with you know with different guys and yeah, with Larry D. Jones. You know, and and so yeah, it was just incredible amount and we we had a phenomenal season i mean it's it was my best elk season yet <laughs> so i'm really looking forward to you spoiled now to tell ben, i'm like ben it's not normal that we actually capture seven kills on film in 28 days of elk hunting on public land i just yeah, you know after our opening after opening week i was like Corey. so on a scale of like one to ten you know what what is this elk hunt this is my first elk hunt ever yeah. And he's like, it's 12. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah. wow. <laughs> I've experienced, you know, and stuff happened, you know, when we were out hunting and where, uh, you know, it'd be next to uh, Corey's hunting partner, Donnie. And we witnessed, you know, at one point, this frenzy of elk just calling and there were spikes or, you know, five point. I mean, there were some big bulls in the back. Just, it was crazy. And I turned to Donnie, I was like, do you ever seen this before? And he's like, once before in my life. <laughs> you know, and I was like, ah, so I feel so fortunate to experience something for the first time. It seemed like, yeah. uh, it, we, like we got we got we got the the heavens shined the god the elk gods shined upon us several times. And I say yeah. us, I wasn't there, but I was I was living vicariously through these guys <laughs> as they were filming this because yeah. Ben would Ben and Corey would text me after each one or he, when they got service. Yeah, and uh, every once in a while Ben would text me footage and be like, "Oh my god, I can't believe they got that." You know what? Like yeah. he texts me footage of this bull's nostrils like ten <laughs> yards away on the red camera. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, that's so yeah. cool," but. You know what? What it's pretty interesting. Like Corey said, the the original brief from this was a lot about the history and all that stuff, and Corey and Will and all these guys. But what sort of became of the film, which is even way better than I, anybody could ever thought of, including me, was just more of a deep story around the legacy of this yeah. of this tradition and and the importance of passing it on. Whether you're a you know an elk hunter or a mountain biker, or whatever you're passionate about, you care about seeing either your kids or whoever, you know, whoever you care about seeing that go on past you. Right. And, and the magic uh, that happens at the, towards the end of this film with Corey's son. Oh man. Is we, I don't think we've captured better footage ever. Isaac is sitting right over there. And I asked (laughs) for his autograph and his picture earlier because that end piece, when he's standing there and that bull is coming across the meadow, I would have wet my pants. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm 52. I would have uh-huh. at least I, at least zinged an arrow over yeah. him. You know? Isaac, how old are you? 14? 14. He was 13 during the He was the 13 at yeah. the time. And that bull, this crazy non-typical bull, yeah. is just walking across the it was It was magic. It what was. Happened. It was like... I, I can't even... I get chills just even talking about it because yeah. I've... We've been... We've all been in the woods our whole life. But the fact that we... What do we have? Two days to shoot that? <laughs> that yeah, was day it was, one. I think it was the end of the season. It was, it was the 29th the, of September. The season closed on the 30th. I let him skip school for two days. Yeah. And he's over there saying, what's the big deal, Dad? We have two days. It's never <laughs> taken that long to kill an elk before. And he, he's, hunted, he's hunted elk four he, days yeah. in his life. He's and he's killed shot three, three elk. Yeah. This was his first one with a bow. Oh, my goodness. Which he swore, I'm never shooting with a rifle again. It's too easy. I want a bow hunt now. You know, and with two days, he still has confidence. <laughs> I'm hunting with him. Yeah, I'm hunting with him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the fact that they can have two days yeah. and, you know, when you guys see the film, you know what I'm talking about. And, it's, and, and bugle into this basin, which is like out of a bugle magazine with a meadow <laughs> and like yeah, the boulder it, piles it and, and, and all the beautiful spruce trees, yeah, like right. all the stuff we all love as elk hunters and, and have this elk in the middle of this meadow and have Ben right over his shoulder. And then he makes a great show. It's just... Yeah, I mean, you, if, we couldn't have scripted people that. People will watch this and think this was somehow scripted. Oh, it has and to be private land, land or a draw tag or something. Right, no, right. this is a over-the-counter tag in Idaho in Wolf Central. Yeah, skipping school. It, and then, <laughs> to me, when I saw, to when I saw the bull run off, I wasn't sure what had happened. And I, I saw Isaac look at the camera. <laughs> he and wasn't I, sure. Were, did you know what had happened, Isaac? No. Okay. Good. No, tell- so you, you didn't. You were still wondering if you hit it? Come here. Yeah, come, come here. We got to get his story in right. here because it was so classic. We're going we're gonna to put the, the headphones on Isaac here since he was the, the slayer. So 
when you released the arrow, did you know what had happened? Uh, not really. I thought I'd hit a cow behind it. <laughs> <laughs> From the camera angle, you couldn't tell. Yeah. You, uh, you just see him release, and then he turns to the camera like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah. Weren't you excited? Yeah. Yeah? You didn't show it? Or yeah. you just always like Joe Cool? He plays it pretty cool. Know. Yeah, when he told me there was blood running down its side, then that's he, when I got excited. We could yeah. see the excitement yeah. then. That so was... the, the crazy part, I'm 60 yards back behind Colin, and he's on his own. I mean, he literally is out there on his own, bends over his shoulder, but he's making all the decisions. He's ranging, he's drawing at the right time, all of that. And so I hear the shot, and I see the elk all take off, and I think, I don't know how far it was, but those elk were still out, still out in the meadow. He probably just missed. So I'm cow calling and bugling and trying to look. And I see the cows and they all go out there and stop and stand. And so I let out a cow call and a bugle and the bull bugles back to me. And I thought, okay, he missed the bull. There's no way a bull's going to bugle after he's been shot. And uh, so I'm looking at the bull and the first thing I see is his antlers. And I'm looking, trying to figure out what in the world is going on. He's got this goofy thing sticking up there and he's a big six point on the other side. And then my attention's drawn down behind his shoulder and I see a big patch of blood right behind his shoulder. <laughs> and I'm thinking, no way. So I go down there trying to keep it all cool. And I'm like, what just happened? He's like, I don't know, Dad. I think I might have shot over him. And there were these cows back there. And I don't know if I might have hit one of them. And, I, you know, you can't see it all in the film. But I, I said, no, buddy. I saw, saw blood on the side of the elk. He made a great <laughs> shot. And then to see his reaction at that, it was. Oh, I uh, am so glad that you were rolling, Ben. When me too. Went with that reaction. You don't know how many times I made sure I was rolling. <laughs> I was just like, I couldn't believe what was happening. Yeah. You know, I, you know, we both kind of felt like we're, end of our project of filming it, you know, hunting. And, you know, it's been a long season. And I was just looking forward to capturing Isaac and his dad, yeah. you know, just enjoying elk hunting, you know. And earlier that day, you know, we had a, we had a bull, or the day before, we had a bull uh, talking. And oh, it was that day. It was the same that day. Morning, yeah, yeah, right. And, and it just didn't quite work out. And, and uh, Corey kind of gave him the decision. So we can, we can go down the road or we can stay, you know, kind of keep working on this. And so we two hours or so two and a half well we were going three and, hours and it was almost getting dark and yeah. i said we aren't going to get a hunt in tonight unless we stop here and there happens to be a bull in this basin yeah and and there we was. hiked down the ridge and i let out a cow call and before the cow call even echoed off the other side of the canyon the bull hammered back whoa i said not only is there a bull there's one <laughs> fired up here and donnie's there on his you know he's got onyx maps on his on his uh, cell phone and he looks at it and he's like there's a meadow in the bottom of the canyon he said, I bet they're heading there. And so we have, what, 10 minutes of shooting light? Yeah. And I said, we have to sprint to that meadow. So yeah. we literally boogied down there, got to the meadow. We were 60 yards from the meadow. I let a cow call and the bull answers 150 yards on the other side of the meadow. Wow. So it just, the and elk followed the script. Yeah, yeah that and never it, happens. And when the, I, it just built up. I mean, like the, the, the cows came out and it running it and it was just like, wow, that's cool. And then I'm, I think I was breathing harder than Isaac. <laughs> I was so worked up over what was about to happen. And then we didn't, you know, and then this bull stepped out over his shoulder. Right. It just revealed. And I was just, what is that? I've never seen like a spike six point. I mean, yeah, this, this, this magical creature that just appears out of nowhere. And it just, it blew my mind. So you were the and, only camera, Ben. Yeah. Because the yeah. camera angle is perfect. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's stellar. just... Uh, you know how it goes. It's it, it, you. You think you do so much to try to be in the right spot at the right time. Yeah. And we had bulls earlier in the season that, you know, you, I did my best to get 
that perfect angle I'm after. And sometimes the elk just do what they want to do. And, right. and uh, that happened with Donnie's bull and kind of went the other way. And, uh, you know, it, but it just, it just everything lined up and it was just given to us. I know there's nothing, I mean, obviously the, it was amazing hearing the calling behind me, and then that bull was just was fired up, man. It was awesome. He was fired up, and and it was just and, and watching him, he just range, range, range the right. different distances, you know. I'm, and I'm this whole season, I'm learning how to elk hunt, yeah. you know. And and uh, you know, I've gone through not the whole thing, but a lot of Corey's elk university, and I'm like, I remember that. I remember doing that, you know. And and, and it's so like I feel like I've gotten this crash course that's been epic. Uh, so by watching what Isaac did and like, you know, you do so much is going through your mind. I'm like, there's no way when I was 13 years old that I would have been able to do what he no did. No way, me. You know? And watching him on the and, film, you know, just to, to highlight that, Isaac hasn't gone through the University of Elk Hunting. That, not that I know of anyway. He's lived and it. And we've got four days of total elk hunting under our belt. Well, I guess we've been out a couple more times, but it he just gets it. You know, it, it just comes naturally, does the right things at the right times. And with a camera over your shoulder at 13 years old, to be as cool as a cucumber as he was, yeah, it was, uh, I, I, was awesome. Any, anyone who's, and I hope a lot of people watch this, and I'm glad that Isaac's thing's towards the end. Yeah. Now they're going to have to watch have the to whole watch thing. Not that they wouldn't anyway. <laughs> right, but, but yeah. <laughs> uh, they're going to look at it and say, that kid's only 13. Nah. Or this is rehearsed. Or oh, you can hear you can hear his squeaky yeah, voice. You know voice you can is, tell he's thirteen. My voice is about as high as my ten year old brother's. Awesome. At least you're honest. Oh, it's oh, funny he watches oh. it now. He's he's seen the rough cut, and uh, he's like, "Did I really sound like that just six months ago?" Can, can Ben make my voice deeper? He can <laughs> for the right price. I can. Oh, no, so I think my funny. favorite with after that shot. I mean. That, that arm was up, for like, and it stayed up for a good, like, 10, 15 minutes. That's what it felt like. Yeah, and yeah. when that bull, it didn't quite, you know, it hung up for a sec. It was trying to figure out what just happened. And, and, uh, and yeah, but it was just watching him just so frozen in that moment of excitement that just, it just lasted. And, and it, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was phenomenal. Did, did you know it was a crazy non-typical when it came in, Isaac? I thought it was just, like, a little tiny raccoon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And... When I shot, I'm, I can't even remember if I looked at the pins. So it was probably just a lucky shot. <laughs> no. I was excited. Usually those aren't lucky shots. No. It was you, a great you, shot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even his execution of the shot, and it's obviously bends right over his shoulder, but you can, he squeezes release, his arm doesn't move. He is so locked in. It's mm. uh, just everything about it was picture perfect. Uh, it's, everybody needs to see it. I, if you're an elk hunter, if you are interested in, I mean, there's a lot of storylines that I yeah. got out of it is this history of, of calling. To me, one of the storylines was your dad, Corey, is one of the pioneers of elk calling, and then it's you and, and you're out there hunting, and then towards the end, your son Isaac is in it, and no, no offense to the other footage, <laughs> but Isaac's hunt yeah. is like as good as, as any, any yeah. elk thing I've seen yep right so yeah. that That's whole we were generational talking. thing yeah. was another storyline yeah. yeah well you've you've got so many storylines smashed into 29 minutes yeah you've got the history of elk calling how they figured it out you've got the progression of it and how it's you know developed and and been improved upon you've got the generational legacy of you know my dad passing it down to me me passing it to my children and the importance of that uh 
all these other storylines. You know, you've got Will Primos and Larry D. Jones and Wayne Carlton who are their own, you know, there's a legacy within each of their stories. Right. All of these are brought into 29 minutes and you get done and I think you just feel hungry for more. You want to go back and watch it again because like we talked at the beginning, every component that lands in that 29 minutes is stellar. There is not a single second of that film that you're sitting there going, okay, I'm bored, you know, move on. It's, it's all just so hard hitting and, and so viable to the storyline. Yeah. That's got to be hard, Ben, when David calls you and says, hey, Ben, cut another 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. David. Uh, yeah, we had it at about 40 at one point, and I was feeling pretty good about it. I was yeah. like, this is, this is good. I, I don't think we should touch it. And, uh, you know, shared it with David and, and a few other people that were helping with the creative side, the editing, and they're like, we can lose 10 minutes. And, yeah. and I'm just, there's no way. There's no way we're going to lose 10 minutes on this film. And, right. And, uh, but, you know, when you were getting that mindset of like, you just want to do justice. This is a story that you kind of want to, uh, only tell once, you know, it's just such a rich story of, of elk hunting and, and where it came from. And like, like David was saying, it's, it's not that old. I mean, yeah. it started in the eighties. That's pretty cool. That something that, you know, we got to kind of, we were around when this thing got going. And, uh, so for me, it was like, you know, I just want to be ruthless with what is 100% deserving to be in this film, you know, yeah. of, uh, telling the story of, of these pioneers, you know, and uh, I mean, I feel like the elk season that we were given was just like absolute icing on the cake. Yeah. It, it just encapsulates what the, what you what every elk hunter is striving for, and uh, you, there's nothing like. Are yeah. you filming any elk hunts this year? Uh, we'll see. Oh. <laughs> Corey invites me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So Isaac, you got any advice for me? You've killed how many uh, bulls? Three. Three in how many years? Two, three years. Three, three out of three. three. You are, you've got a track record going, young man. I, you you gonna just kill one every year? Just probably not gonna kill another one for twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> At least you know he it's knows up. the averages. Oh gosh, that's so cool though. Uh, you got any advice for me though, Isaac? I, I I struggle at elk hunting. I I mean, to be fair, everything in life, my baseline is somewhere below average. There's not <laughs> one thing I do in life that. I exceed even average. So you got to really break it down for a guy like me. I don't know. Just ask my dad. He does all the work. I just shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, dad. Oh, uh, yeah. You got any wisdom for that? I mean, you know, I, 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 I think if I, could, if I could give you one piece of advice, mm -hmm. it would be focus on one species at a time. Don't okay. hunt grouse during elk season. Oh, do you shoot grouse when you see him, Isaac? Yeah, I really like shooting squirrels, but he doesn't let me. What? Yeah. Does he let you shoot the grouse? We scare him. We we can't get close to him. What? Yeah. <laughs> Hold on here. You scare him. That's what happens. He scares him because he doesn't want you to shoot I him. I try to scare him when I'm hunting with you too, but man, the <laughs> grouse in Montana are dumb. I know. You got to be quick on the draw to scare him away <laughs> from me. They used to be M Michael's over there laughing because we just did a YouTube grouse episode, Corey. You're going to crack up when you see it because you're in it. <laughs> I can only imagine I am. <laughs> but no, after you and I did that Montana elk hunt, I was down there looking for more grouse and I found some. And some guy were, uh, that last morning where we had that encounter, there was a truck parked there. And he come walking up out when I was driving by. And he's got blood from the end of his fingers up to his biceps. And I'm like, well, this guy must have shot an elk. I wonder if he needs a hand. So 
I stop. I'm like, hey, you got a bunch of blood there. You got an elk, huh? Can I help you? He's like, oh, no, I shot a grouse. <laughs> I'm like, what? You shot a grouse? Where's, where's the elk? No, no, I shot a grouse. I'd never shot a grouse before. He was as excited as I was about shooting grouse, so I was pretty happy about that. But I looked at him, and I have gutted moose and not had that much blood on me before. And so I got home that night. I'd shot a grouse that day, and I thought, I need to do a video that shows people how to gut grouse. Yeah. And gutless clean method on grouse. Gut, gutless <laughs> method on oh, grouse. Man. That's how, that's how, you got it. There we go. That's the title of the YouTube video. <laughs> so that night in my garage, it's a it's poor quality video because it was raining like crazy. So I set everything up in my garage and I didn't have a lav mic on or anything. But I showed people, here's how you do it. And, I mean, the guy, he must have had an ant crawl in his ear or something because he had a wad of blood where he'd stuck his finger in his ear. And I'm looking at, I wish I could have filmed it. It would have been funny as heck. But uh, He anyhow. probably reached all the way up through the sternum on that grouse and cut the jugular and probably everything out. Oh, I, I don't, I didn't think a blood or a grouse had that much blood I, yeah. in it. So. I mean, we tried blood trailing a couple of the ones you shot and they just don't bleed that much. I know that one that I, I admit, I, I feel terrible. Terrible. One got away from us. I have no idea. He, we were on the divide between Montana and Idaho. He went into Idaho. Yeah. We blood trailed that grouse into Idaho. But you had an Idaho license. Yeah. Oh, we were good. We were trying to find him, but somehow he got away. I have no idea. That cost me a $15 broadhead, and I'm <laughs> still mad about that. But. Made some Kai out very happy. Yeah. Yeah, no I'm sure. But man, it's. But Randy but, had to sleep outside for two nights because his wife when, will not let him come home if he misses a grouse. Right. Ooh. When I told my wife that That's one brutal. grouse got away, I think Corey let me keep the ones he shot. I think I came home, I had like four of them or something, and she's all excited. I said, well, the bad news is one got away. Whew. Yeah. Man. I hope our Thanks. wives don't chat because I'll be in bad shape as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be sleeping outside all the time. <laughs> oh. but, so that would be your advice for me, Corey. Don't chase grouse when I'm... You know, I don't have any advice for you. You have, uh, you've shown me how to have fun elk hunting. So oh, it's, really? not Is all, what... it's not all serious, hardcore elk hunting, which I've kind of got locked into for a long time. Is really? It's all the... The destination, I, not the adventure. So, well, I don't know that it's necessarily that mindset for you. It's just you like to work hard at it. When <laughs> oh, we were in New Mexico that's last an year, understatement. Yeah, Ben. <laughs> that's yeah, an understatement. Yeah, Ben. Ben's like, yeah. Poor Ben. There's something that happens yeah. to Corey when he hears an elk. There His is. face just turns in. Right. I don't know how what you call it. Yeah. You know you what you? Someone his asked war me. Face, it's elk face. It is. Yeah. And, and when he gets that, someone asked me, well, what's it like when Corey hears or sees an elk? I'm like, have oh, you man. ever seen tried to catch a lizard that stops? And as you get close, <laughs> it runs so fast. You can't, be, you can't believe a lizard can run that fast. That fast run is Corey when he has heard an elk. You're standing there talking to him and boom, he vaporizes. He's like gone somewhere. So, uh, and Ben's got to keep up with him with 45 pounds of film gear. And yeah. 45 was on the light. And I don't, always, I don't always keep up. Yeah. And, well, and this guy has to keep shooting elk all season long, so then they add a little bit of weight there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> as much as I yeah, can handle. Ben wasn't just a camera guy. He yeah. was a packer. I know he, he was. He hauled his, his weight in elk meat this year. Yeah. Yeah, we would hear an elk bugle, and we'd hike up the steep ridge, and then we wouldn't hear it anymore, and you're like, just the next ridge. We might be able to hear it from there. And like, the next Dad, ridge. I want to go back. Yeah. <laughs> Does he do that to you? Yeah. He does that to everybody. I got it on film. We were in, we were in Yellowstone <laughs> yesterday, and Hold so... Hold on, wait, wait, wait. 
You can't go to Yellowstone. No, we weren't hunting there. We were just looking. <laughs> okay. You, you can't call in Yellowstone. You can't hunt in Yellowstone. Yeah, it's kind of stupid. We were just yeah. hiking. Yeah, we were just okay. hiking. All right. I thought he was going to tell me some story about wow. he called this big elk right <laughs> up to the truck or something. I had to take him and show him where we used to go and look for elk sheds, how many elk sheds there used to be there. I'm like... Well, let me, let's just oh, walk oh, up here. Well, and, but before people get all yeah, we up, aren't you, keeping the elk sheds. We take pictures of them. And, okay. Yeah. Just so people know. Because people on podcasts, they'll take anything you say out <laughs> and of contact. assume the worst. <laughs> and, and your dad will be getting a call from the Yellowstone yeah. National Park <laughs> ranger. Give us our antlers back. Yeah. So, anyhow, you're in Yellowstone. Yeah. We, we'd find them, and then he'd be like, well, there might be some more up here, so let's just climb to this next point. And... The next There's point. There's no point. You the can't keep point. the antlers. I know. So. <laughs> That's how your dad is. Yeah. I've only known him for about eight or nine years. I've hunted with him for two or three years, and I'm done hunting with him. <laughs> <laughs> I am not tough enough to do that anymore. I, I If I want to have pain and misery and discomfort, I'll go find some other way to do it. And well, You can't elk hunt without pain, misery, and discomfort. You just, it can't be done. I know that. But there, there's doses in moderation. <laughs> That's that, true. That, so all nine days of our New Mexico hunt are all, all out on the YouTube channel now. And I think people have a, a whole different understanding for what it takes to kill an elk on public land with camera guys following you yeah. around. But we couldn't have... So, Ben, you showed up there. You guys had just had this great week or two prior to showing up. Uh-huh. Aren't you glad that the week prior and two weeks prior weren't like they were in New Mexico oh, last year? Absolutely. But, you know, New Mexico, it, it just, it kind of completed it. It was good for me uh, seeing that side of, of the pain and the misery, the pursuit of, of how far, you know, an elk hunter will go to look, look that elk in the face or hear that elk, you know, bugle. And, uh, you know, you, you guys were sitting... On that hill, Chuck, we were, it was day five. I think we were just beat. Yeah. It felt like we were just in a hellish wasteland with bowling balls made of volcanic rock. <laughs> and we were everywhere. eight miles from the truck. Yeah, and yeah. we're eight miles in, and it just, it was sucking. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, we were beat. And uh, I don't know what mile we were on, 60 or 70 at that point. But um, you guys, you know, when, when you guys are having that chat, and Corey says, you know, you're like, what do, what do you do when the elk are not talking, Corey? And we're all a little delirious. Corey says, you know, I firmly believe that in any unit at any point, there is at least one elk that will talk. Yeah. And, and, and that, I'm here to find it. Yeah. And I'm here to, I, I'm going to find that elk. Determined, you know, determination on that point. I mean, uh, I mean, every, every uh, big game hunter, backcountry hunter knows, knows that pain at that point. Right. And, you know, and we all try to tell ourselves, you know, we want to start as hard you know, uh, start as hard and finish as hard as we started, you know, and, and uh, finish as strong as we started. And uh, so it, I think like hearing him say that and then having that encounter that we had with you and being there, for me that, even though that elk just didn't quite give us, a, give you a shot, yeah. it was, that was completion. It was like, there it is. There is that one elk that yeah. everything from people trespassing and driving their trucks into the public land, the quads running around, yeah. finding other hunters. Guys going upwind I mean, of them. All, yeah, pe- people just, it was, it was so, everything I think an elk hunter would, would fuss about <laughs> and gripe about happened on that trip. 
We were hurting. My knees were saying, are you serious? Yeah. Why? Why are we doing this? Corey, we have enough and, footage. We don't need to do yeah. this anymore. And, uh, but and then see, Ben's the guy at one o'clock in the morning that has a quarter of an elk on his back with all the camera gear. Right. Man, but Fumbling our way back. I love it. How do we pack that elk out of there in, in one trip? I can get that we got, yeah. there were four of us, Ben, yeah. Corey, me, and Marcus. But Marcus and Ben are loaded down with so much camera gear. It's yeah. crazy. And we walked, what was it, five miles out in the dark. And yeah. And Ben, you'd said it was like walking through a field of bowling balls. Yep. It is. And it's dark and the grass is up to your knees so your headlight doesn't penetrate it. Yep. Are there any of us that didn't take at least one wipeout that I think night? we all had, a, had at least one. <laughs> well, maybe Corey did it. I, I don't know if I saw you out. go down. I don't think I actually went down, but there were several times I wanted to lay down. <laughs> I went down a few extra times for him. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. uh... Yeah. yeah, we had one camera that took a, a hit for it the team hit there. The we rock, broke, yeah. broke a piece off camera, yeah. but the hunt was over by then. So well, what Randy, we Randy about? was like, "Guys, this is stupid. We do not need to pack this out. Drop these packs. We'll come back in the morning and get yeah. these." And we're like, "No, we can do it. We can do it." And after about three miles, we're like, "Randy, this is stupid. Let's drop <laughs> these packs." And he's like, "We've made it this far. Let's just keep yeah. going." Yeah. So. I think we're all equally to blame for yeah. Yeah. for that pack. Out. But uh, one thing that's come of that of people watching that is, man, you guys have the mental determination that you're going to do it. <laughs> and you know, I think I was saying how I'm below average at everything. The only if, if you looked at my skill set, and there's one place where there's a peak, it's bullheadedness. I don't give up. I quit one time in my life, and I will never quit again. Never. I. Mm. It, it's painful to not quit at times, but I think, I think it's more painful to quit because you is. have to live with that the rest of yep. your life. No, well, I, I've seen those clips of you grouse hunting. You don't seem below average at that. Oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> I should have had more. I, I mean, the bad part about those grouse clips that you've seen is you only got to see the good ones. <laughs> There's a bunch of arrows laying out in the woods somewhere because I get so excited when I see a grouse. I'm chasing my pin around there. I... I, I, Marcus was listening to the listening to the footage of when that you that day you were talking about Ben when the Corey called that bull into that opening with yeah. me. He's got his headphones on and we're at the office. He's like, Randy, your heart beats really <laughs> loud when an elk comes in. Oh man! Because I had my my mic right, right here on my on chest heart. and wow. I I listened to it. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that moment was epic so that was epic but no i i think the reason i i wanted to put all nine days of that on the youtube channel is i think tv does this terrible injustice to hunting it it gets filmed in a lot of situations that are not realistic it it doesn't get filmed on public land where the elk are highly pressured it gets filmed only in the prime part of the rut you know the and as as kind of I don't know if it's humbling, humiliating, embarrassing, whatever. I wanted people to know that even guys who get to hunt elk as much as you and I do, it's struggle still, every day. It, yeah. I mean, there's nothing easy about elk hunting. Not on public land. And if you do it enough, you will have days like we had last year where it's just epic. Right. But those days are very rare, rare. and it's not once a season even. It's once every five or ten seasons that you have a day like that. But I think just the, the memory of that day carries you through until you have another one. Right. And, and I don't think uh, successful hunters never quit. Season might end, but they didn't quit. Season just closed. Yeah. And next year they take it up again and they take it up again. And I think if you're a quitter, you, you aren't 
you, you get into elk hunting and you quickly say, this isn't for me. No. If you live, eat, and breathe elk hunting, you're not a quitter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just... It's like a, a bull rider. <laughs> you know, bull riders are just tough. Yeah. They just, they, they aren't smart enough to realize what they're doing. <laughs> and so they just <laughs> hold on. They just hang on through the pain and everything. And elk hunters are a lot like bull riders, I think. It's just... You just hold on through all the pain and the misery. Yeah. And at the end of the season, deliriously, you say, I can't wait to do it again. Right. I, I mean, you're a waterhall, waterfowl hunting nut, Ben. Most of the stuff I'd seen of yours before mm-hmm. was waterfowl hunting. Yeah, yeah. And is there a piece of that in the mind of fanatic waterfowl hunters? You know, I think, I think every hunter has a degree where we, we just we love to suffer to a degree. I think <laughs> if you're a hunter... You know, we, we know we're, we're doing things. There's, there's always a moment on any, there's been waterfowl hunts where you're deep, you know, you might not be 15 miles in, but you'll be, you know, two and a half miles in through a swamp or a marsh. And you're just, you sit there and you, and you stop and you say, why am I doing this? No wonder people think I'm crazy. I just drove 12 hours or whatever to be in this spot to chase a duck or, or just to hear a bugle. And there's moments where you'll, you'll realize how much, how much pain and how much time and money and we invest in this. But I don't think, I think if, if there wasn't an element of suffering in, for, every, for a hunter, then you just would get over it, you you'd, know? And I think that suffering and the challenge and the, you know, um, you know watching Corey last year, it was, it was amazing to see that for him, the interaction was success for him. Yeah. You know, seeing... You know, every hunter will say, oh, I'm not about the kills. I just, I don't care about the numbers. I don't care about, you don't have to have a kill shot or whatever. But deep down, they're like, that's what I want. But yeah, I, I, I think Corey. hunters say that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. But Corey, I mean, I think seeing him light up and his eyes get crazy when that bull starts <laughs> talking to him. I mean, my assistant on our opening week, after that first interaction, we had, we had a, um, the first good interaction where we had some bulls below us and didn't quite get a shot. My assistant came back to me. He's like, "You should have seen Corey's face. He was bugling. He was, you know, racking." And and it was just like that. I think made all the suffering and the miles. And I don't know how many miles he did last season. I was trying yeah. to add it up. Uh, it's close to two hundred, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, on foot. On foot. Yeah. Yeah. I did yeah. three. You did three. You did three. Yeah. Isaac. yeah. So Isaac, before uh, we have David come back in and take your headphones. You got any advice? I'm, I'm serious. I need some advice, man. Help the man I'm, out. I mean, and I, I don't need girl advice. I'm married, okay? <laughs> I know young guys like you got a lot of advice about girls, but no, you don't have anything for me. You got a grouse hotspot in Idaho you're willing to let me in on? I haven't shot one since I was little. Really? <laughs> since I was little. What? Yeah. Since yeah, he's so big now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to shoot grouse, you just call me. You can shoot all the grouse your limit allows. I know your dad won't slow down for him. For me, everything's a grouse hunt, sometimes distracted by an elk. I would say that was a very accurate description <laughs> of our hunts together. So, well, congratulations, buddy. Thank you. That was yeah. a great piece of footage, a great hunt. I'm jealous. No, I'm not. I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're going to get David back in here because we need some perspective from Mr. Brinker. All right. Because Mr. Brinker specifically puts himself in situations where it's hard to kill an elk. He walks around with this traditional stuff. Well, he used to. Okay, now that he's got the headphones on, we can quit talking bad about him, but... 
He, so uh, we were just talking about pain, misery, challenge, how yeah. if you're going to be a public land elk hunter, you can't be a quitter. Yeah. But if you're a quitter, you're probably going to take up golf or tennis or bowling or beer drinking or People something. People think I'm crazy when I tell them I, every, every day I wake up and go elk hunting, I think I'm going to be successful. I do. I do. If, if and, I, and I don't mean that to be arrogant or anything. No. It's literally, if I didn't it's think that, mindset. it would be a tremendous... Like, I mean, it's already a huge struggle. It'd be so, like, uh, demoralizing if you didn't think that way. Yeah. And I got it from my dad who's standing out here. He's, like, the most optimistic person on the face of the planet. There, there could not be an elk 20 miles around. He still thinks we're going to get into elk every time we go out. And by doing that, eventually you're going to be successful, right. you know? And it gets you through the hard days because you're going to have a lot of them. Yeah. When so, I David, see- I just have to ask, has that mindset... Um, changed since you decided to start shooting a compound bow this year <laughs> i mean did you really hey, have my that mindset was right you, there okay. uh, <laughs> i would bet i do both but you do both but i know what you're gonna do david you're gonna you're gonna practice with your compound a little this summer and you're gonna be walking around with that trad bow all fall yeah i i it, um i'm gonna do both i think the first hunt i have this august is a mule deer hunt I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I know. All right, let's, maybe we should start a pool. <laughs> I say he's going to go with his traditional. Uh, he'll go compound. So I, last year there was kind of a, a big swing. Everybody seemed to jump on the traditional bandwagon. It, yeah. Everybody dropped their compounds and like, I'm shooting trad bow this year. Mm-hmm. For me, I like to kill things. <laughs> I mean, I just, I am not ready to go home with my tag still in my pocket which is if the you mindset. ever do want one i have a whole box of drawer, drawer full of them <laughs> yeah i do too I, <laughs> I just you have to be willing to go home and not fill your tag yep. if you're a traditional bow hunter that's just that's a mindset you have to face as a reality and i think that you're going to see a whole bunch of people who hunted with traditional equipment last year <laughs> who are hunting with compounds this year because they want to fill a tag it's definitely it's definitely different i've had the comp i've, tr- I've been practicing a little bit with it here the last couple months and uh I, lo- I, I like shooting them both, just like I like shooting a rifle every once in a while, but I definitely like shooting my trad bow more, practicing. It's just more fun for me. Yeah. But it's definitely going to be a different mindset going in the woods with that compound than it, with that trad bow. Yeah, you're right, Corey. I mean, you're, even the most confident guys aren't 100% <laughs> confident, let's be honest. I, I know that, I think I, I'd like to think I know probably some of the best trad bow guys there is. Yep. Even at 20 yards, I don't know any of them. They're 100% every time, you know, confident, which... Is you know so you walk into the woods and you got to be really overly optimistic to have fun. <laughs> well, for me, twenty yards, I've messed with a rifle. <laughs> so, I am not going to handicap myself with a a bow no, that doesn't have sights. No, I mean this year I'm going to be in Arizona with a rifle and in Wyoming with a rifle when they're bugling. That's that's a wonderful and it thing. Makes zero. I have zero guilt about that. Oh, you should no. not. I, I am so happy. It's a wonderful I, feeling. Yeah, that I can hopefully get that elk within about 80 yards, and I'm going to poleaxe him with, the, with a rifle yep. and have zero And every time that you've, you've had situations with your bow where you couldn't get any closer and couldn't get it done, it's going to yeah. come back and be like, all right, I got this. We're, we're balancing <laughs> the ledger a little bit this year. So, um, I, I, I mean, I have the utmost respect for traditional bow hunters because they are. I mean, it's, it's tough. Oh. I stepped up here last year, and Matt Davis pulled out his, I don't know if it's a recurve or a longbow. I don't know how to tell the difference in them, but <laughs> it, it didn't have sights on it or wheels on top or bottom. And, and he hands it to me, and I fling a couple arrows, and, you know, we, 
I don't know if it was Smack Talk that initiated it, but all of a sudden there's a, a traditional challenge. Oh, really? And so everybody, all these traditional guys are shooting, and I step up, it's my turn, they save me for the last, and I hit the dot at 20 yards, and closer than all of them. And so, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I think I shot 16 more arrows at 30 yards and never hit the target. <laughs> so you should have stopped. Yeah, I should have stopped, stopped at that one, because <laughs> it is not easy. Well, I, I just think about archers in general, and I love archery hunting. I, I just... I, and I've said this on prior podcasts, I didn't grow up with it. I didn't start archery hunting until I was 33, 19 years ago. And if you don't grow up with it, it's, it's really hard to be, have it be as innate in your thinking and your actions and just how you do it. It, it, is, it takes so much concentration to learn it and walk yourself through it. You give me a rifle, I've been shooting rifles since, you know, forever. Or a shotgun. It's just like, boom, 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 no, no problem. So I, I look at you guys who grew up with it, and I'm jealous. Totally. The compound's not not an easy thing to learn either, to be honest. Like, I, and because I've shot a recurve my whole life, I've yeah. shot rifles my whole life too, but I've never shot a compound. And uh, we went out and shot the Sitka course yesterday. And you know, I've never had to look at a bubble. I didn't even know what a bubble was. What bubbles you guys thought? Because I remember a couple years ago, I came out here and everybody blamed every bad shot. Oh, my bubble, my bubble, my bubble. I just got sick of hearing it. I'm like, what, what is even your, what is a bubble? And uh, yesterday I'm like, oh, that, you, you should pay attention to your bubble. <laughs> but yeah. I, with my, my recurve, I have three very simple, clear steps that I go through every single shot. And I, I don't know what, you're, what you guys do with those compounds. You must have like seven steps, unless you do some subconsciously, which I'm not very good at. I got to think through it. Right. I do too. You got bubbles and sights and peeps and grips and releases and all this stuff. So I'm going to fess up. What's this bubble crap you're talking about? <laughs> I don't have a bubble. So on, on your site, Randy, there's a, down at the bottom like a little plumber level down there. Yeah. That's to keep your bow... Yeah. level when you're shooting oh they call that the bubble yeah you'll hear it a lot this weekend <laughs> so i got a funny story about bubbles and levels so my brother's <laughs> in minnesota he builds log homes part-time for a living he hires this guy and he's telling me i'm like how's it working out well, i don't know this guy i'm not sure about him he's bragging about how great he is and da 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 and the other day i asked him to measure something and cut it and I said 54 and 3 eighths inches, and he brought it back. It was like 50 inches. And I said, what's going on? I said 54 and 3 eighths. Well, what do you think? I know calculus or something? <laughs> he said, so I thought, well, I better cut him some slack. And we were sitting at lunch the other day, and the guy, you know, kind of in, in that trade, if you have a big six-foot or five-foot level, it's kind of like, you know, you're somebody now. Yeah. You showed up with, with yeah. your own piece of serious gear. Yeah. And the guy's looking at it while they're eating lunch, and he says, with a bunch of expletives, they ripped me off. Look, they didn't fill this bubble the whole way. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not quite as bad as that guy, Corey. I, I, I know what the level was for. I didn't know what you meant when you said That's called a bubble. bubble. That, the, you got to know bubble. the terminology yeah. around here because right, you'll I'm hear sorry. the bubble. My bubble, bubble, my bubble did this. My all bubble right. did that. And then they start getting into third axis. Oh, my, I, that, have, so. I haven't adjusted my third axis yet. I'm like, I don't even know what his first axis is. So <laughs> What dimension are you from? <laughs> <laughs> is this the matrix or what? Yeah, it's that serious, huh? Yeah, I mean, you get on steep side hill shots and you find out if your third axis is dialed in or not. 
Mine wasn't yesterday. <laughs> really? As far I, as I know. Barclow tried to explain the third axis to me yesterday. I'm like, let's just stop. I was never good at... <laughs> let's just stop at bubble. Yeah, uh, the bubble's bubble. enough for me. Okay. I'm, I'm, uh, I think I'm going to get a little sticker with an arrow that points to my plumb level there and say bubble. There you go. There you go. All right. You do look at it when you shoot, right? I do. Okay. I, I try to make sure that that bubble is right there. there like my site has, it's it's a horizontal yeah. tube filled, and it's got and a, it should be in the middle. Horizontal's it's got a good. line, <laughs> and I try to make sure that that bubble is right there Perfect. where that so you, line is. You pay attention to your bubble. I call that a level. Okay. A bubble. Yeah. But if you just look at your level, that doesn't mean that your bubble's in the middle. Well, no, so I mean, if, is the if you look at it and your bubble's <laughs> way over on the left or the right, you've kind of got a cant to your yeah, bow. You've got to pay attention to your bubble. All right. Uh, I'm, con <laughs> I'm confused, too. Randy, All, right. All right. And, and next, have we got any other topics we want to talk about? Because I'm, I'm seriously reducing what little street credibility I might have had. <laughs> I'm sure I just lost what little That's I had. That's what we left. do on your show. I was just Last time say, I was on it, we talked about our most humil humility, humiliating misses, yeah. which many people have brought up to me, by the way. Really? Yeah, they love bringing up that bull I missed on your show. Yeah. They well, love that. I, I've got so many of them that we don't have enough time on a podcast to talk about them. My, my most frustrating misses are when I shoot at a grouse or a, a partridge. Or Every once like in a while that. you get on a grouse streak, though. Have you ever had one of those where you just can't oh, miss yeah. them? Oh, yeah, yeah. You got, and, then you, and then you'll have, you'll, oh, man, I killed however many this year, and then the uh, next year you'll have a tough time hitting them. You'll break arrows, lose every your new broadheads, flinging yeah. those out through the... <laughs> Yeah, so here's what, when Michael, my camera guy, was filming this, we were down scouting for my son's moose hunt, and it's right on the Idaho-Montana border. Here's our strategy. Since I had to buy an Idaho hunting license to apply for the limited entry moose permit, which I didn't draw for X number of years, I have an Idaho hunting license. The Continental Divide Trail has so many grouse, it's ridiculous. But I've always only had a Montana license, so I could only shoot a Montana limit. So in September, I'm hunting that Continental Divide Trail. You're going to double down. <laughs> I am doubling down. I'm shooting a limit over there to my right in Montana and to my left <laughs> in Idaho. But I'm just trying to figure out if I get stopped and I've got like two limits of grouse, oh. you think the warden's going to buy the fact that I shot half of them in Idaho and half of them in Montana? I think you would. You know, I so? think the thing you're going to have trouble selling him on is that you're actually moose hunting and not grouse hunting. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're getting the grouse out of the way before the moose hunt starts. But I was thinking also about picking up uh, an over-the-counter Idaho elk tag. But that would just distract me from grouse hunting. It'd be a $400 distraction. It would. You going to uh, go shoot the Sitka course today? No. Just got I, thinking about, bring, I don't I see your bow laying bow. around here anymore. I didn't even bring it. I brought a whole cooler full of dilly bars. Where's our dilly? Are we going to eat them on the show or are we going to wait till after? I'm kind of fine. You really? He's holding me hostage here. For well, let's get that linguist sign out of the way and get yeah, those dilly well, bars here. Well, I really, I didn't make this up, guys. You guys think I made this up. I started a, uh, an Instagram story. I don't know how to do it. My video cut off. At, what, you can only do like 15, 15, 15 seconds. seconds. I didn't know that. I'm standing there. Blah, 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 and my Instagram story cut off. When I'm talking to the owner of, of uh, the Dairy Queen store. Ooh, those look good. You know, Mountain Ops should do a dilly bar. I, I got some for them. I, I told Why don't them, they do a dilly bar? I, I told question. them, I said, yeah, I, I, I saw the people in their booth. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to bring you. I brought wow. dilly bars just for you guys. Because so kind of you. I, I, I'm thinking that you guys. Either. This worth it, huh? 
There you go, bud. <laughs> you, is this for every hunt? You, hey, you hit the mountain before and after, before and, and during. Yeah. You put one yeah. in, the, in the pack too. So oh, well, you missed out on on the season before when I hunted with Randy in Montana. We got done with the morning hunt, and I'm used to going, you know, as you noticed, we hunt all day. Uh-huh. And we got done with the morning hunt, and Randy looked at his watch and said, we can be at Dairy Queen in 33 minutes. Yep. He, and I thought, okay, he's, he's just joking. So we walked back to the truck. He, we didn't even talk. He just got in the truck and drove to Dairy Queen. Yeah. It's like 9.30 in the morning, 10 o'clock in the morning, and we go up there, and he just walks up. I want I'm, three I'm large, banging on the window. Yeah. I'm like, hey. Three large blizzards, please. They weren't even open yet. I couldn't believe it. We hadn't even had breakfast yet. Oh. <laughs> so, Corey wondered why we hunted up by West Yellowstone. Because it's the only Dairy Queen I know in really good elk country that stays open in <laughs> September. Well, the really good elk country is questionable, but... All right. We call in elk every day. Are you good? How's that, huh? This is my first dilly bar, by the way. Ben, <laughs> come on. I'm sorry. I just got to be honest. First but, you say first. But I'm honored to have it. First Elk here with you gentlemen. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and now it's first Dilly Bar. Yeah. Isn't it wow. amazing? It's really good. Mm-hmm. Can I take a, some home you're, since you're sponsored by them? I'm yeah. not sponsored by them. You're wearing their hat. I know. That means you're sponsored. No, you want to know why I'm wearing this hat? So people, I think I'm getting a little bit overboard on the Dairy Queen stuff, but it's with a purpose. And the purpose is this. I'm 52. I'm never, I, I mean, my better days were behind me by about age 22, but I, I see this social media world where if I were just getting into elk hunting right now, I would think that you need to run eight hours every morning, bench press, do leg lifts, everything else for another four hours, eat nothing but tofu and kale and then you might just might be able to be a novice elk hunter that's how it's getting anymore well that's because on, i can't comment here i'm eating my dilly bar you do. You're that's because of Corey's biceps mm-hmm. on the yeah. social media mm-hmm. you see these guys out there and i mean i'm an accountant okay think about it i walk around with a pocket protector half the year with a green visor, balancing debits and credits. Well, I can be an elk hunter. And so eating Dairy Queen while everyone else is eating supplements and this, they do videos of these meals they cook. You know, they're, well, there's this amount of protein and blah, 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 blah. I don't really care. You've mistaken me for someone who is impressed by that, mister. <laughs> I'm going to get a Dairy Queen. Well, as evidenced by the chocolate and the ice cream that's on your microphone right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and people wonder why the last few months I've been hammering this Dairy Queen thing. Well, first of all, if you grow up in Minnesota, Dairy Queen's a state food. <clears throat> it's allowable for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh-oh, I'm dropping but, chocolate. But it's kind of a counterculture protest for us fat, out-of-shape people to say, you know what? We can elk hunt, too. There. Well, you just said that you spent half of the year Uh figuring out debits and credits, and you just covered... Now you're sucking on your microphone. Oh. That is weird. (laughs) I got a bunch of It was covered with mint ice cream. It's not anymore. (laughs) I look at it that way. 
What Elk way? hunting and ice cream are my debits and credits. If I All hike right. 200 miles in September, mm -hmm. I'm entitled to a couple dilly bars. Exactly. So I hike this week. I'm like really getting in elk shape this week. I want to get a napkin for that there. Are you like to save it for later maybe? Oh, is it on my cheek or on my... You got it. On, on my got microphone. <laughs> okay. So this week I really started working at it hard because I've been so busy and traveling so much. Every night I've been hiking an hour and a half to two hours. I stopped by the house, grabbed my <laughs> wife, and we had to Dairy Queen. That's an extra dilly you, bar. Now when you go to Dairy Queen, are you just eating ice cream or are you having dinner? Oh, no, I'm not having dinner there. I was going to say. No, you don't have dinner at Dairy Queen. That, that's like, I'm trying to think what would be an analogy of that. It'd be like eating breakfast at the 7-Eleven or something. I mean, no. You, you don't go do to, that? You go to breakfast Dairy Queen. Breakfast burrito, more warm up the microwave? Oh, no. Uh -uh. <laughs> no, so it, it, some context to the Dairy Queen thing with these two guys with me. When we were in New Mexico last year, Dang, microphone's getting in the way of my dilly bar here. <laughs> um, Corey shoots a bull on day nine, mile, what, 80 or something like that? Yeah. Uh-oh. Well, I met, folks, I'm making a hell of a mess. <laughs> we zoom in on that? <laughs> so That was mint chocolate on the microphone. But can you want to tell the Sonic story, Ben, or you want oh, me to? Oh, man. <laughs> Well, you've heard of a sonic uh, boom, right? Say, yeah. Let's just say sonic really let us down. I think on day five, day six of our hunt, you know, you just start fantasizing about all the other things you could be eating, <laughs> except, you know, a kind bar or mountain house. Mount, yeah, you're just, you start yeah. to, you know, and I, I brought some chocolate covered almonds with me that mm -hmm. I'd eat like one or two a day as my reward for finishing the day. <laughs> but getting down the hill, down the mountain, and the only thing around was a Sonic, and, and I'm, I'm not familiar with Sonic a whole lot. Me either. Trusted that, you know, Randy, second so, best. Let's, that, wait, and it's let's say he let us down. Let, yeah, let's even build it, I'll build it up. I'll build it up here. even a little more. So we've been talking, and it's in the footage that we've put out there. Corey's talking about blizzards kind of every day to the point where we're all getting pretty hungry for a dairy cream. We were eating onions in the wild. Yeah, we were eating That's wild onions. We I mean, it was it was like starvation rations. And <laughs> we're packing Corey's elk out that night. And it's, I don't know, midnight, one in the morning by the time we get to the truck. And there's one day left. And I'm like, I am not hunting tomorrow. We're packing up camp and we're heading to Dairy Queen. All this talk about Dairy Queen, Corey, I'm going. So we drive. We get everything taken care of. We drive. We stop in this little town. And by this time, I'm, like, really amped up for this idea. It's been 10 days since Randy's seen a Dairy Queen. Yeah. And so we stop at a gas station, and Corey comes up with the great idea because he's like, how far away is Dairy Queen? I said, well, it's, like, three towns away. Which was three hours. Yeah. He said, well, there's a Sonic right over there. Why don't, what do you say we do that? That's just as good. No. You know, no. that was my thinking too, David. <laughs> right. And now, I, now Ben can continue his point, story. Well, let's be honest, it's just as good. It wasn't. No? And honestly, I was like you. I, I hadn't been enlightened to the difference. There is an absolute level of quality difference between There's, Sonic and Dairy Queen. It's not even in the ballpark. Yeah. I mean, face it, Sonic is popular in places like Arkansas. <laughs> that tells you what quality of food out of it must be. I'm staying so out. you're saying people from Arkansas are at a lower <laughs> level of quality than those from Minnesota? I, I am saying my, si <laughs> my sister and my brother-in-law live in Arkansas. And, and, okay and I spend time with them, and they're wonderful people. But what they eat, 
is why people die at premature ages <laughs> in Arkansas. So you're saying dilly bars are healthy? Well, they're, they're as healthy as bad food gets. Okay. As, a, as healthy as unhealthy food gets. So, no, I... Anyhow, Someone needs to come up with a supplement dilly bar. Oh, that's man. it. And you could easily take a Mountain Ops product and turn that into ice cream. Some we should well, probably get those stop guys talking over about here. it. Yeah. We get them over here. I got some food for him. If we had Mountain Ops ice cream. If George, if, 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 if George and Casey were here, if you guys are listening, that's my idea. All right. I want 1%. <laughs> so we stop at the Sonic. It's Corey's idea we stop at the Sonic. And all four of us barely get to the interstate before we're getting text messages back and forth. Where's the nearest restroom? <laughs> it was bad. Yeah. What, I, I am, think am Ben I, had the... Yeah, it, I it had the worst experience with it, uh, the Sonic. Let's just say it hit me hard. I don't want to gross out your yeah, whole it, following. It was, but, uh, there's it only was, about 100,000 you know, people listening to this. There's only, so, yeah, it, there I, was I, only one bathroom, and I think we were all, yeah. I, I don't know. May, I don't want to discredit <laughs> Sonic. Maybe Sonic is a great thing. They're doing but, the best they can. But, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. it, it was my first uh, endeavor. No, I, that was my, the first time I went to Sonic, it was pretty good. Yeah. And then we did that one in. Boy, I tell you what, I, I I wasn't right for about a week. You know, one of these days you're, you they guys don't even are let you go in their actual hunt. restaurant. Invite what? me in on elk hunt with you guys one of these days. We we invite you every time, but you're too busy hanging out with the you know the beautiful people of the world, right? <laughs> well, Randy and I are down most sweating often, yeah. in the yeah New most Mexico often summit. hunting by myself. So no, that's not last true. year when we were talking to you, you were hunting with let's see, Larry. Oh, and yeah, was Barclow. Yeah, we invited him, and he's like, well, yeah. I've got these other people who are really yeah. important. Yeah, I did get to shoot a deer with Larry over my shoulder. That was, that was cool. cool. Yeah. Back, back to this whole my anti, I, I'm like a contrarian. Uh, do you have any thoughts, worries, or concerns about this whole everything's, I, I feel like hunting is starting to become a little bit of a bro-ish uh, badass kind of ego thing or am i so, just am i just observing it because it, it it rubs me the wrong way therefore i i i pay too much attention when i, I see don't it. i i think so i had the opportunity um to to hang out with cameron haynes for the first time mm -hmm. i met him a bunch of times but here a couple weeks ago i was with him at, and at, i wasn't referring no no no, 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 no but, I'll, but I'll, I'll get to the point okay. i'll get to the point um i got to shoot with him last weekend at snowbird and uh you know, I've I've always respected what he's doing, and mm -hmm. knowing that I can't physically, or I probably, I guess maybe maybe I could. I don't know if I could or not. I, I don't even try to do what he does. I don't but want you know to, I and I never will. You know what I realized about like people like him who pr promote that that hardcore uh, sort of fitness. physical yeah. fitness part? Um, they inspire a lot of people that wouldn't have been that healthy. You know what I mean? They, they right. inspire a lot of people oh. to be better, right. which I respect. Now, yes, do I think you I have to be like that. that to kill an elk? No, I right. don't think okay. so. And I, I think if there's guys out there that think you do, then they're just right. they're just plain wrong. Hey. But I do think if the healthier you can be physically, if you want to be super ripped and go out and kill an elk, that's great. Right. I feel like if my personal opinion is, if people spent just as much or more time studying maps and habitat and animal habits, they would probably be more successful or even increase right. it even further. That's if, I guess that's where I'm moderation. Right. I guess that's where I'm be trying a good to shot. Know the animal, be in, be healthy. You know, all it's kind of a more comprehensive. Right. That's look. that's where I'm trying to take my kind of contrarian view with with all this kind of yeah. using Dairy Queen as kind of the 
the humor part of it is yeah. if you, sh it's not, it, it, there is definitely a function of fitness. The more fit you are, yeah. the more you're, the harder you'll be able to hunt, the more you'll be able to, to do it with that less pain and agony. But to your, you just said it, David, if you spent half of that time learning elk behaviors, elk, just habits, the terrain and everything else, you'd probably be more and successful. And I think that's why people like Cameron are really successful because they're, they're in great shape. They're extraordinary shots, but they know the species and that, like they're more, they're a well-rounded hunter. If you yeah. think that you're going to start in the bow hunting and just get in shape and learn how to shoot a bow and be successful, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be humbled pretty quickly because <laughs> it's, it's, it has a lot, just as much or more to do with knowing what the heck you're doing once you get out there. You know, yeah, a lot someone of, like Cameron Haynes, hey, Isaac, he's a, he's not just a great physical specimen of a, of an athlete. He's a great shot with a bow. He yeah. understands animals. Yes, his focus is on physical yeah. conditioning, and yeah. that's his platform. Yeah. But you look at anybody, and I don't care how good a shape you're in. If you can't shoot a bull, if you can't call, if you don't understand elk or can't scout, yeah. it does, you're, you can high color the mountain all you want. Yeah. Yes, it'll give you an advantage physically, but that's We're, we're it. doing two boxes? Well, wow. no, I was going to hand some out. There, there was <laughs> some, Andy's breaking out the second box some, of dilly bars. There were some <laughs> kids over there. would be so disappointed yeah. in us right now. Hey, hey Isaac, can you have, uh, have that young guy come over here? I got a dilly bar for him. Where'd he go? Huh. Took off running, stranger off well, candy. I agree, right. Corey. You see it a lot um, in these on these public land trails. You know, you get these guys that just are just they just bomb in ten miles, and and I'll go hunt the first mile or two and 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 be just as successful in terms totally. of sights and or seeing elk and being an elk as they are. So it, I don't know. My dad told me when I was young, anything in moderation. So. That's my point of view on it. I, I want I do I I work out all summer and run and trail run and all this stuff. I'm not the most ripped guy and I probably never will be, but I also try to balance it with shooting and scouting and looking at maps and then also learning from people that are way better at, than I will ever be, like Corey and Randy and not me. All these people. If you can just kind of be a uh, a sponge to information yeah. and and try to it's a, it's a more intelligent way to approach it as opposed to just being a physical specimen yep. then you're going to be more successful i think yeah. it's I, not about selfies on instagram i mean that's not some people that that might be their platform of why they work out but right. if you work out and your motivation is elk season right you I, are a better elk hunter when you're in shape than you are when you aren't that doesn't mean you're better than me or better than him you personally, your level of quality of elk hunting and your, your chances of success are higher when you're in shape. That yeah. doesn't mean you can't that's be successful when that, you're not. That yeah. is an axiom that holds true in elk hunting. Yeah. The, the better shape you are, the, the better you're going to be, the harder you're going to be able to hunt. Less totally. likely you're going to quit when you, right. when you should go further. Right. But it, somebody who bench presses a truck and runs multi-marathons isn't necessarily going to be a better elk hunter than Randy who doesn't do that. I don't do and that's that, yeah. what I, you know, all of everything I try to stress is hunting is not a competition. It's not a comparative <laughs> thing that you need to say, he's in better shape than me, so he's a better elk hunter, or he's a better caller. It doesn't matter. If you invest in yourself, right. you are a better elk hunter than you were before you invested in yourself. With, with anything yep. in life. Totally. An investment in yourself is what returns. Yeah. So I guess, I guess. Return. So, I, I, if right. you're going to be a better person by doing it and better hunter, then I think it's great. Yeah. You know, one thing I feel like I've seen is you got, they've gotten a lot of guys that maybe just spend all their time in a gym uh -huh. and they relate with that and they follow guys like maybe like Cameron Haynes or uh -huh. whoever they're inspired by and maybe it's got them in the field for the first time. 
Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. No, I mean, and I think it that gives is a, great. New, a new purpose for what they're doing in the gym. They're like, yeah. wow, I can take this and I can pick up a bow and I can now. I mean, yeah. I've had guys hit me up and just say, man, I just following what you're doing. I just, I want to get a bow and I want to just get out in the woods and yeah. learn. And, and they've never bow hunted before. And, and, I, and I'm no expert and, and new to the sport as well. But it's, I like seeing that how like something that for them, it might have just been all about their body and their endurance or whatever has maybe opened the door for a new passion, you know, and then they're going to, you know, give them time. And I think it's, I think it definitely is important to, as hunters, we, we need each other, you know, we've got to mm-hmm. stand together. Right. And there's all these different uh, people focus on different parts of, of hunting. And I think it, you know, if we do turn it into these camps, I feel, and you start dividing into these different tribes, it, it, I think it can be, it's not healthy for hunters as a whole. No, I, I, I agree completely, Ben. And I, I guess when I brought that up, I didn't have anyone or anything in mind because Cameron yeah. and I just talked on the phone not too long ago and we talked quite a bit. And and I, I think it's great that he's doing what he's doing. And there's Amazing. other guys similar who, who, you know, through fitness, they've really built a following. And I'm good with all that. I just worry because I've had people say, well, you know, I'm not in good shape. I don't think I'm going to go. No. Right? And I don't, I guess... This is just my weird sense of humor, kind of taking a stab at it and saying, you know what, just go hunting. That's my yeah. my whole issue is go hunting. It's yeah. just, I mean, it's just like any other, it's, I don't, won't call it a sport, but, you know, if you're, if you're a golfer, everybody's got a different handicap. What you need mm-hmm. to figure out is what you, what makes you enjoy your experience the most. And if that means that you need to get in better shape, then that, then let it push you to get in better shape. Yeah. If you can go out and, and and have a good time and not be in great shape, then that's a wonderful thing. Don't worry about what other people are doing. You know what I mean? It's like, I I, I, I don't know, I'm only, I guess I'm 36, whatever, but it seems like every year I try to figure out how can I make, how can I just make the experience more enjoyable for me and not care about what other people think about the way I do it. And I think if you just get in that state of mind, then nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. I had a guy email me last week and, and he was just, you know, basically trying to say, I'm just a regular guy. I don't care about what anybody else says. And going on and on, kind of, you know, this long rant of an email. And so I replied to him and said, if that's all that matters, then it doesn't matter what people say to you on Instagram or anything. Right. And he said, well, I'd like to get credit for some of the accomplishments that I've, I've made. <laughs> and I'm like, you can't have your cake and eat it too here. If, right. if you're trying to get attention for your success, yeah. you're putting yourself out there. And it's not about the hunt anymore. Right. Yeah. So just go and enjoy it. The yeah. success and all of that will come with it. The attention will come right. with it if it's meant to be. If it's meant yeah. to if be. If that's your motivation, though, is to go and get attention. That's going to be a pretty rough the, road. Yeah, exactly. But we see, <laughs> yeah. we see that in the hunting industry oh, yeah. that people... You should just give him Brinker's number. Yeah, yeah he should. Right. Well, he wouldn't return the call. I'll anyhow. give him a number. So 555 You know, you don't return voicemails. I don't answer Facebook messages. How come I get the rap for not returning voicemails, guys? Because you don't. One. I think you've returned one, one of my voicemails, maybe. If, hey, hey, whoa. Come here. <laughs> Dilly bar. Scared. Poor kid. Better eat it fast. It's melting. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't mean to scare you. <laughs> hey, Ryan, you she want one? She was in trouble. I, we're blowing out the audio with me yelling at everybody. <laughs> Probably. <there>. But, <laughs> you know, the only way I can get a friend is to walk around with ice cream. Ryan, the machine from Mystery Ranch, Ranch. Backpacks there. Uh, what so do we think? He's, got, wait, he's think... got too many arrows. He must not have shot the course. Oh, you broke one. That's lame. 
Only got one left. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> I would have had to quit after that like, seems the more third realistic. target. I can't stand it when guys act like so, they come off that lift with a full quiver. Yeah. I was going to sit down at the bottom <laughs> there, and I was going to sit here with this cooler of Dilly Bars and wait for all the badasses to come by who, who are, I mean, they're great guys, but some of them give me a, a good ration of crap over my... Yeah, I was going to hand out dilly bars to him. And then I thought maybe I should have some cigarettes and beer too. And so, We were shooting Snowbird last weekend. And, and Snowbird, you take the gondola all the way to the top. And I'm going to argue, some people will say that's not true, but I'm going to argue that the Sitka course at Snowbird is one of the, if not the hardest 3D course that I know of. Mm-hmm. And because you, you're way up on top, there's a lot of elevation change. The shots are extremely hard. Anyways, there's this guy. We were walking out of there. You have to hike like, I don't know, 500 foot up the lift after you're done which kind of sucks i'm hiking up this trail and here comes this dude running down the trail with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth <laughs> and i'm like holy moly how is that guy surviving uh, up here i mean i was about ready to die and it's eleven thousand feet in elevation that's eleven thousand feet in elevation that's so funny yeah. right over this mountain we were wolf hunting and there's this guy i'm not gonna give his name because locals here know him he smokes like nobody's business. Crazy. You'd see him in the morning driving around, smoking, looking for wolves. And I told the guys with me, <clears throat> I said, boy, I bet you that guy really gets after it, huh? Yeah. And we're kind of chuckling about it. <laughs> One day we said, we're going to go for a hike. So we get up and we're getting up to where we're going to start calling. And we see a headlamp over across the way. Here's that same guy sitting on a stump over there, got his smoke going, and he beat us up the mountain. I'm like, it wasn't a headlamp you saw. It was a glowing end of well, a cigarette. Yeah, it was actually both, but I'm like, how does a guy who smokes like that? Fred Bear smoked, man. Did he? Oh, yeah. Huh. I didn't smoke. My, both my parents smoked, and it was a disgusting, filthy, rotten, stinky habit. I just... I might have made that up. I'm not even totally sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, well, they say 86% of statistics are made up on the spot, David. Yeah, well, and then I just and made I'm up, really good at that. <laughs> I made up the 86%. <laughs> I just say, I heard it was 90%. <laughs> okay. well, whatever works that day. But <clears throat> So the linguist, Yes. you think it's going to make a big difference? I, 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 hope that, I hope that people just, I guess, uh, respect, maybe not even, they don't have to respect the people that blaze the trail or people like Corey necessarily if they don't like elk hunting, but just it made making this film made me stop and think about two things. The first thing was, what am I doing today that maybe somebody will remember some other, like down the road? Like, am I doing something that's cool, basically? Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> cool. and then number two was, wow, you should show more respect for people that made your life way easier in yeah. all the different ways that it, not just elk calling, obviously, but yeah. every, every single <laughs> thing we do from boots to clothes, to whatever, I enjoy my life a lot more because people got frustrated and failed a lot. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, that humility. And then also, the third, I guess there was three things. Watching Isaac and Corey and that whole thing, you know, that's how I was raised too. And I remember the first elk I shot with my bow and me and my dad hugging and that, like just that moment, so powerful. You never forget that. It's one of my happy places um, with my kids, just making sure that I don't force them into anything, but whatever they're passionate about, just making sure that I cultivate that and give them all the opportunity to be successful and ha- have those moments is important. So for me, it changed me. So I hope that the people that consume this and watch this in some way, it just makes you think about something, you know? Yeah. Mm. No, I I hope people see it for what it is. I think it's unique that we have 
four of these pioneers and we were not we you guys were able to tell this story without this person deserves more credit than this person than this person and i i've i've never met larry personally i've met the other three personally and if there's one thing that i i know of the three that i have met is when you meet them if they sense you have a serious interest in calling animals or elk hunting they will drop what they are doing and you better have a lot of time on your hands because <laughs> you are going to be talking about elk calling for a long time. And yes. I think that's, that shows what their passion was. And I think that passion is what made them the pioneers and the successful. And they had to be that passionate about it. So, you know, yeah. tough well, you just look at, days. you know, we've got <laughs> social media and the internet and email and everything today. You look at somebody like Larry D. Jones, who in, you know, 19, early 1980s, was doing elk hunting and elk calling seminars. Right. We do them today, and it's really easy for us to send out an email to 100,000 people and say, hey, come to my seminar Watch tomorrow. Watch this video. Larry D. Jones was packing seminars back in the 1980s because yeah. people were hungry to, to learn about it, and he was willing to teach them. Yeah. And at that time, people weren't willing to, to tell other people how to be successful hunters. It was kind of a secret thing. You know, you don't invite anybody going, you don't tell them where you're going, and... So to have somebody that's passionate enough about it to want to share it with others in a way to help others, um, I think that's part of the legacy of, of that whole movement and industry. And the yeah. crazy thing is, is they, to them, they just, they just did it. They didn't, yeah. even mm -hmm. when you talk to those guys now, like I called, cause I've been really impressed pre-screening this film with, with every different age group. And even the younger people, like I'm talking in their 20s that watch this, they're like, dude, you won't even believe I used to, like, th those elk, uh, those Primos uh, big bull videos. Like, oh, my gosh. I remember I sent Primos uh, a letter. I wanted to work for him. And I'm like, <laughs> you're 23. Like, I, I did that, but I'm 36. Yeah. I'm like, are you serious? You know who these guys are? They're like, oh, my God, dude, these guys are my... I and so I guess what I've realized... And then you tell Primos that. He's like, oh, shoot. No, that's not true. But, you know, they're just so humble. They just did what they were passionate yeah. about, and everything else just fell into place. So it's kind of just this weird thing. And Larry... Gosh, I mean, I guess once you get him talking, but he, he doesn't want to, I mean, he doesn't like talking about himself. You got to really pull it out of him. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't spent as much time around Wayne or, or Rocky, but they're all just very humble guys. They did amazing things, and I hope the film does them justice. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I hope the film did you justice, Corey. You know, I was seriously just honored to be a part of it because, you know, as I mentioned in the film, I grew up when these guys were just really starting so for me to be hungry and to have a resource to go to like these guys you know i've grown up my dad was in the industry and so you know will primos i've known him for a long time and always admired just the person he is he's just mm -hmm. genuine and down to earth um and, and i consider him a friend and wayne carlton you know i've known him for forever from the shows and larry d jones i think that was the first diaphragm elk call i bought so to be able to be involved, to go into their homes. You know, we literally went to their homes, sat down with them and talked elk hunting and the history of it, and hear their stories in their homes uh, as friends of mine, and to be able to be a, a small part of that, it was pretty awesome. And then, obviously, to have my son be a part of it and, and yeah. the whole legacy of handing this passion we have onto the next generation, whether it's our children or somebody that we're mentoring or a hunting partner, whatever it is, uh, it's just... It, it was awesome. I hope it affects people. Yeah. Well, you know, and you've, you know, you've screened, quite a few people have screened it, and one of the consistent comments is, you know, let me compose myself so I can 
tell yeah. you what I thought about it because it does. It, it brings up, uh, there's, there's just something powerful about this film that makes you stop and think a little bit deeper than, is September here yet? I want to go punch a tag. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a lot yeah. bigger than that. Yeah. And that's got to exactly. be good for you, Ben, when you hear people say that. It, it's, it's, it's a great feeling. You know, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm so honored, you know, just like these guys are and everybody was a part of it, you know, to, to have a chance to tell that story. I mean, that's, a, that's kind of a filmmaker's dream to have a story like this. It's just this rich, you know, that was already kind of there, you know, and then it was just a matter for me just kind of putting the pieces and what should we capture? How do we tell that story? I think I... You know, which send send Corey all over to meet these guys, and uh, you know to do that extra work, and hope his wife uh, doesn't hate me forever, stealing him away for half <laughs> of a year. I put all the blame on Brinker. Uh, yeah, so there good. you go, there you go. <laughs> I, I, right on. The, the interesting part to that is because I produce TV, I know how much content gets captured for each yeah. minute that gets used. I can't even imagine what it is for a film like this. Have you guys this. ever figured out what that ratio is? For TV, you're, you're, you're a bean counter. You've done right. the math. No, I, I have done it, but for TV, it's it's a much lower ratio than yeah. what Ben had for a film like this. You, I bet you have raw content two to three hundred hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't even I haven't even added that up yet. Right. But and, all I knew in my mind, I think we could produce probably about eight hunting films. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They would be quality um, each yeah. one of them. Right. Yeah, and there's you stories know. inside the inside the season. You know, we have this this big story that we just had to keep telling ourselves to focus on because there's all these other stories within the hunts and things yeah. that happened. I mean, we, we, uh, there was a, there was a, a bull that Donnie shot. And, uh, two days later we were near where the car, we're about a quarter mile from the carcass and there was five grizzly bears eating it. Right. And it was just, it just blew our mind. We're hunting in these woods and these, these grizzlies are watching us yeah. and we're out there just, <laughs> And they got bugling. And we have standing footage of those things. And yeah. Ben, yeah. Ben, every once in a while, I'd slip a little bit of that in the film. Uh, and I'd call him and be like, I Ben, tried. this is an elk hunting film. Focus. I tried. Focus. Focus. Let me just have one bear, please. <laughs> just one. And then one like, grizzly. A week later, it's the, the, just a quick shot of a bear. I'm like, Ben, yeah, take slipping it in again. Yeah. 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 Speaking it of is. bears, you know, it's funny. Right where we're sitting, if you went right over there, I spring bear hunt a lot. Wow. And there are... Lots of grizzlies just wow. right over there. Good. I'm glad I gave my wife bear spray <laughs> before I came to this. Yeah. No, not, uh, not right here by the ski yeah. hill, but you yeah, go yeah. further south, further okay. west. or Well, I think here there's direction. just so much human activity. They yeah. know this is yeah. trouble, but yeah. it's cool. Yeah. When you're out in the wild and, I mean, when we, when we did that hunt, Corey, just about every morning there were fresh there's grizzly a lot of bear sign. tracks. Yeah. That's why I didn't go. Maybe you guys did invite me, and I didn't want to go. We invited you. I like you. Grizz. Randy introduced me to grizzly bear during that season, and now I can't get enough. We're going back again this year to another grizzly area. And <laughs> really? You guys like those areas. Oh, it's just no. I, the I, reason why? There's no other hunters. No one else. You go in there. where grizzlies are thick. You don't worry about other hunters. Yeah. See, I got like, charged by a hundred-pound black bear, and it scared the daylights out of me. Yeah. So I've I have two, no interest in the grizzly bear I've thing. I had two encounters where I met them when I was archery hunting, but they turned and ran as quick as I. Huh. And it it happened so fast. You really, I didn't even really get a chance to, uh, uh, I guess, register, mentally understand what was going on until you see this big brown silver rump running away. And then you're like, (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) you're looking around like, where's the rest of them? (laughs) Glad he's going that direction. All I know is that 
that grizzly look made that elk carcass look tiny. Oh, yeah. I bet. And that and that and that was enough to just put you in awe. Well, yeah. we were what five hundred yards away from them. Yeah. And the the big one was protecting the carcass there, and another mm-hmm. big one came up, and they locked up. I mean, they teeth and claws in each other, rolling down the hill, <laughs> and the noise they were making. It yeah. sounded like somebody was sitting right next to me with a four-stroke motorcycle revving it in my... <laughs> no kidding, like yeah. across the canyon, just that... <laughs> oh, really? see, I've never heard that from uh, Grizzly oh, Bears. It was, I've heard other it was guys talk impressive. about it. I have it never chills. heard it. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, I mean, in when they're mating in early June, I've heard guys say, oh, yeah, I was out and I heard these two Grizzly Bears really... I'm like, hmm, I th- I've never heard it. But, yeah, yeah. Ben slept in our tent that night. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, he didn't. Uh, yeah, they were they're, they're probably watching us that whole time, that whole week. So but, uh, since we threw that up on YouTube, Corey, the number of people who have watched all nine days of that hunt who've got a hold of me and said they, even though that looks so miserable and so hard, and one guy said, well, I've watched that, and I've, con- I've concluded I'll never kill a bull elk on public land. <laughs> um but most of them are wanting to go and do it. Yeah. And they said, I've never heard an elk bugle except on TV. And my response to every one of them is, video is not even 10% of what happens to your human response when a bull is 30 yards away bugling at you. The, you, you just, you have to go and feel it because just the vibration, that's what gets me is how the whole woods is vibrating and you can feel it. Yeah. It, TV can't do that for no, you. No, nothing can. You yeah. have to go and experience it. And I don't care if people go and they aren't even hunting them. Yep. Somehow go out there when elk are doing this. Go to Yellowstone September 15th. And, and listen. Yep. Yeah. It's, oh man, it's. I, I think as as long as I have breath in my body, even if I'm not able to go and hunt as hard as I do, there will always be a part of me that in September, if I'm not out there hearing that, I'll feel like I'm missing out. Yeah. I, it, it's as, I don't know what heroin is like. I've never tried it. Never, I've never tried any recreational drugs, but uh, it's got to be... It's, it's nowhere near as good as, as elk hunting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but as far as just the, the want more of it, right. want more of it, it's, uh, gosh, it's... There's few, there's few uh, you know, experiences hunting where an animal is, call, is talking back to you. You know, when the, early on in the planning stages of the project, a friend of mine who doesn't hunt, and he was like, that's kind of crazy to think that you are talking to animals. You know, that's true. You think when you, you say that, when you, when you, yeah, but, you know, when you're in it, we, we talk about it all the time, like it's normal. And, but, but when, uh, you know, where I'm from, there were a lot of non-hunters, you know, yeah. from California. And uh, this, this guy, a friend of mine, he's just like, that's, that's really crazy. You're making a film about talking to animals. Not and, only and are you not talking to them, you're telling them, I want to fight. You're telling them, come find them. them. Yeah. Come, or, come find me because I want to fight with <laughs> you. I know you're 800 pounds and have right. weapons attached to your head. <laughs> and Cor- so do I. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really Unless what it Unless you have a camera in your hand. Yeah. You throw it at them. <laughs> now so I almost had to do that once. With so I, I, I just have to share Ben's story. So we went through, we'd killed six of the elk, six of the seven elk at this point. And we literally were, were working up the sixth one and a bull starts bugling across on the hill. And so I look at Ben and he looks at his camera. I look at my bugle and we know what to do. And so we go over and we start calling this bull in. And 
this bull comes around and it's coming up the hill. And so I'm just directing it right up the bend because I know we don't have anybody with the tag there. We're just, we're filming it. And did it come to seven yards, eight yards? Yeah, I want to say, you know, seven, eight yards. And I was kind of positioned like the shooter, you know, and Corey was kind of off over my shoulder. And this bull's fired up, man. And I think he was about a 350 bull. Yeah. And uh, he, you know, had a broken off tip. He's a bruiser. Yeah. And so uh, he comes up the hill there. And so I'm just, you know, bringing him right up Ben as close as I can get. And he gets right up there at eight or 10 yards and whirls and runs. We stop him. And so I'm kind of just, you know, sitting there. Yeah, it was a cool call in. Ben comes up. His eyes are like silver dollars. <laughs> and all he, I mean, mouth just chattering, just would not stop. <laughs> I sound like a little kid. It man. wouldn't it was... have been better if he would have had a bow and shot that elk. That was his bull. Yeah. yeah. And as a, as a camera guy. Yeah. And even when we were editing, when we referenced that bull, as you'd call it, that's my yeah, bull. Yep. That's my bull. And I actually have a, <laughs> have a picture in my house now of that bull on the wall, you know, because that's, you know, packing up the meat feels, you feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm really joining in on this hunt, yeah. not just observing it or capturing it. You know, I love that. But that bull that Corey called in for me, I mean, that was super special. It was kind of the, toward the end of our capturing the woods, you know, and, and getting to, I don't know, experience what Hunter dream of. Yeah. And ha and captured that well with my camera, you know, the best of my ability. Still a little shaky, and because uh, I was shaking, and this 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 is intimidating. An 800 pound beast <laughs> is coming out of nowhere, and he wants to kill me. Yeah, Ben's you know? hiding behind sagebrush. Yeah, and, and it was that racking of my focus. It's just you can almost feel the base, you know, in the film uh, when it, when that bull pulls out of there. He's just, you'll see, you'll see it in the film, hopefully. And, and it, it was unbelievable. And so I got a picture of my house on my wall, the Anna shed over yeah. out my front door, you know, that, yeah. that Randy held on to me, you know, from New Mexico. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it was pretty special, you know, and to share that together with you guys. So as we're getting close to wrapping up here, um, where, can, where are people going to be able to see the linguist? So we're going to launch the full film on July 30th, which is next Sunday. And, and when you say launch, it'll be on. It'll be hosted on the Sitka YouTube channel. Okay. Um, and and then um, probably a little bit later, RMEF will also host it on, you know, the Elk Network, Elk Network and things like that. But initially, it'll only be on Sitka's YouTube channel and and on our website, of course. But, okay. And then yeah. is it going to be in any tours or anything well, like that? Well, we'll just that? have to wait and see. Okay. All yeah. right. I don't, I'm not, I'm just, <laughs> no, I mean, my job that. is to try and let people know what's going on. You're reading the script on. again, man. Don't read <laughs> no, I threw it away. <laughs> <laughs> your, your PR firm's going to fire me. They're going to say Newberg's contract is done. You that know, my, my hope is that this has a real long shelf life mm -hmm. and people enjoy it for a long time. And, uh, you know, I'd like to, I'm working on getting it on Netflix. I'm working on... The more people we can show this to, hunting and non-hunting alike, I think is it, it's going to resonate. So it'll be around for a while, but initially it'll be on our YouTube. Yeah. Well, I think it's cool that a, a company like Sitka did it about something that is nothing about selling your product. I mean, you guys don't sell calls. No, we don't sell. And in fact, one of the only spots where we even zoom in on a Sitka logo, we took out a couple weeks ago because it's yeah. just not about that. Yeah. It's it's it it's it's just such a deeper story than that. And, um, we don't feel like we need to do that. Yeah. You know, I think with Joel Turner of Iron Mind Hunting just walked by, I was going to give him a dilly bar. <laughs> well, <laughs> we, we got cooler to dilly bars. He's a dilly only, bar. Only he's, way I can make friends. He's shooting but, too good. Oh, well, he should. I signed up for his course. What is it? Iron, Iron Mind. Iron Mind. I'm halfway through it, and 
as he's talking about this stuff, yeah. he's pretty intense when oh, he yeah. talks. I oh, mean, yeah. he's like, you almost feel like you're sitting there at the principal's office. Oh, and, yeah. But he's saying some of this stuff, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, I, I get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, I do that. Yep. yep. Yeah, I shot right under a bowl last year. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, <clears throat> well, guys, I, uh, I always let everybody have their last say of, of what's profound, what's uh, going to help. Because like, we started this with David was going to solve the world's problem. So far, I think we've solved none. Uh, but if you have any parting comments... You're more than welcome to add them. Ben, you got anything you want to? Oh, man. I got to go first. <laughs> no, we can. Well, uh, you can. You, or if you want to well, pass I, it. I don't know. I've just been, you know, like I said, I, I'm super excited for people to see this film. We've worked really hard. I think it's the hardest I've worked on any project in the, uh, you know, 14, 15 years I've been making films. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been an honor. I've made new friends through it. Got the gold. My, had my first elk season. So for personally, I, you know, I'm the, probably the number one fan of this film just because it's so personal for me, you know, and I just hope, I really hope it, it is something that a non-hunter and a hunter can come together and really appreciate the history here. Um, so yeah, I hope you watch it and uh, it's well, good to be here with you and, and actually share time in the field with you as well. Yeah. You know, that, that was an honor. So. I, I can say, Ben, that it, I've been doing TV for 10 years. I've had guys carry a lot of stuff out in the field before. I have never in those 10 years had a person carry as much gear as Ben carries to capture that whenever that moment's going to come. It's crazy. You got to have options, man. When you're out running and gunning, you're, you're, and you have a camera guy, it, it's not. It's a camera and that's it. And, yeah, and it, you know, Ben shows up and I'm looking at all the stuff he's pulling out and I'm thinking, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fun. That'll stay in the truck. But yeah, his right. pack was 60 pounds oh. of gear. He's carrying a great big red camera with all these lenses. But then the, you know, one of the cool parts was the audio. And yeah. that was something that David said from the beginning. I want to capture audio that hasn't been captured before. Mm-hmm. So Ben shows up with something you see at an NFL football game, the parabolic mic with the great big dome on it. <laughs> and he's got headphones on and he's listening with this thing, you know, as, as Elker Bugle. And he's, he's pointed over there. Well, one day we're walking down and, and there were a couple times I had to tap Ben on the shoulder. I'm like, hey, stop. I just heard an elk bugle, you know. So my hearing, I think, was a little better than his. Yeah. And uh, we're standing there bugling one day and Ben says, oh, I just heard one. And I'm like, no, you didn't. He's like, no, I think it was over that ridge. It sounded like it was that direction. I'm like, I didn't hear anything. You didn't hear anything either. And he's like, I think I heard it again. I'm like, no, you didn't hear so anything. So he's got the headphones with the mic He's got the, the headphones with parabolic no, I was, mic. I was hearing, he would call and I, would, I could hear bulls bugling. Way out there. I mean, probably like 10. 10 miles away. No, yeah, they, they, probably wow. like 10 miles out so, there responding. So I said, let me, let Man. me, yeah. how good is that? So I put it on, put the headphones on, and I'm pointing it, and I can hear ravens. So I take it off, and I can't hear anything. I'm thinking, those ravens have got to be over the top of that ridge up there. Wow. So I turned to Donnie, and I said, walk down the hill 300 yards and whisper. I just want to see. So he takes off down over the hill and gets down there, and I turn my back so I can't look at him. I'm holding the parabolic mic pointed at him, and I hear him whisper, no kidding. And I turned around like that, and he's like, dang it, 300 yards, you can hear a whisper with these things. So <laughs> He's going to have one next oh, season. Oh, man. This we, season. This they is look like amazing the, hanging off a of backpack. They, they do look pretty cool. So <laughs> this, this, You'll see them all over the woods this year. Yeah. yeah. The, 
that that gives for the listener that gives a feel for what Ben will carry, what he'll put himself through to get Absolutely. the job done. Yeah. So I was, in fact, Marcus, my camera guy, who was with us the first night we came back, he's like. I'm not carrying all that stuff Ben carried. <laughs> he's, he's got a hip belt with a big DSLR, and he's got other pouches with lenses hanging off it. I'm like, boy, if we ever got to run, it's the f- I, I know I can outrun Ben as much yeah. stuff as he's carrying. Yeah. But. Let the bears eat him. So, you got anything, Corey? You want to add before we? You know, just close it uh, up? this. This has been David's vision and his his pet project, and. The energy and everything that he's put into it is what will ultimately make it successful. Um, just even after the hunt, after the vision in the production side of it, the amount of focus and energy that he's put into telling this story and compressing it down to 29 minutes, something that really needs to be told over a month-long miniseries or something to be able to compress it to that and keep the quality and, and keep the vision, uh, just to be able to see Ben and David work together on that and keep dialing it in and it wasn't ready until it was perfect yeah. and i think yeah i don't know what we were on 11 cuts and ten. There were, remember we guessed we got the 10 10 10, ten cuts, cuts but there were probably some a and b and c well that's really nice of Corey, but i um it wouldn't even have been close where it was obviously without him being mm-hmm. the great story he already the life he lives and how good he is at what he does but also and i told ben this this we got this film to a certain point, you know, and to be honest, it wasn't coming together like we wanted to. And that was about cut five or six. Yeah. It was good. It was mm-hmm. never bad. It was good. But it was mostly good because we have amazing footage and amazing audio. But pulling that story and weaving these, we have so many sections that we're, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. Like, how do you put these together that will make sense to someone? It makes sense to us. And, and uh, so, you know, I'd been sharing the, the cuts with Corey over the whole whole way but finally i'm like you know what let's all get together in person and and just we're going to literally bring a whiteboard we're going to go pig hunting in california in this cabin and we're going to bring a whiteboard ben's like a whiteboard yeah i'm like yeah you're going to get a whiteboard and we're going to go to this place one of ben's friends place and let's just get together and let's we got to figure out a way to make this flow better because it just wasn't quite clicking and I can tell you for a fact, if Corey wouldn't have been as involved as he was from that point forward, which was very involved, because no one knows it better than he, you do in, in, in the brain. Right. He knows it because he grew up. I mean, his dad right. was one of the pioneers. Ben or I, I don't think could have done that. And, and it just took it over the top. And so I, I you know, this, this was a, an idea that, that was like, I remember it was by the Walmart parking lot driving home from work one night that this came into my head, but really it was, it's nothing until you have talented people and a whole lot of them, especially these two guys mm-hmm. that pulled it together. So it's great to have an idea, but I have, I've had a lot of good ideas that <laughs> don't go anywhere. So um, it, was, it was an amazing project. I learned a lot um, throughout it. And, and uh, I, like I said, I just, I hope, I hope people love it as much as I do. Even if they don't, I'm still going to love it. I'm still going to have it in my, 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 my closet with all my other hunting movies, and I'll still be showing it to my kids for generations to come, hopefully. Yeah. Well, for me, I'm just lucky. I get to hang out with a lot of fun people. And you hunt enough in your life that you go through these phases of, well, it's about filling tags, and it's about this, or it's about that. And then you, somewhere, I don't know when it happens, probably happens differently for everybody, 
the only thing that really matters is am I spending time with people that I really have fun with? Where I don't have to worry about any egos. I don't have to worry about this. We're just having fun. And I'm at that point in my life where that filter's been shook enough that the, the chafe has been tossed and what's left are, are uh, people I have fun with. And I've shared camp with all three of you guys. And I'm, I'm just looking forward to the time when we share camps again. It's, it won't be long now. No, it'll be January for January us. January for us. Corey, I don't know when we're going to get to do it again. We, Our calendars suck this year. Uh, the calendars are great. Oh, really? Yeah, you just oh. tell me when and where. I'll well, I could really use an ace collar in Arizona in October, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I, well, I, I'll, I'll, I'll bribe you, you with you something. You don't need good collars in Arizona. Well, I need a good collar anyway. <laughs> I'll call for you, Randy. There you go. But anyhow, guys, I really appreciate you t- taking the time Thank out you. of shooting this course. Uh, I know you guys are all ready to go back and lose some more arrows. I was yeah. going to say, I had to come in to get more arrows anyways. I love <laughs> losing arrows. There's just nothing better, you know? Uh, yeah. uh, we're going to be doing a bunch more podcasts up here. We, uh, we got the, I think we're going to do Onyx Maps. Okay. We're going to talk about their new... We're finally going to let the cat out of the bag, Corey. <laughs> so you're tired of me. Or was Man, it you? You've been, te- you've been teasing. teasing it, teasing it, teasing it. Well, part of the reason I've been teasing it is because there's some really cool things in there that I asked them to do, and they've done them. And I'm like, uh-oh. If people hated me before for supposedly making elk hunting too easy. Oh, Randy, you didn't do really it. They're really going to hate me Please now. tell me you didn't do it. I did, Corey. They have locations of all the Dairy Queens on their program. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh-uh, that's proprietary. I, I would never give that kind of information away, but... That's proprietary. Uh, anyhow, folks, thanks for listening. Ben, Corey, David. Thank you, Thanks sir. for being yeah, here. You. I look forward to watching the response of the audience when they see the film tomorrow night. Right on. Cool. Yep. Thanks for listening, folks.